Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Chris Lilly of Cake in Wichita. We're going to be talking all things Chiefs and Big 12 and what's going on with Wichita State as they've moved on from Greg Marshall. All of that and more coming up when Chris Lilly joins us in just a little while from right now. You will not want to miss out on that. And as a reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, what's happening? We are uh, getting oh so close to the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, are, are, are you ready yet for uh, for next week? You know, I haven't even decided what I'm making. Uh, probably mac and cheese. I'm not ready whatsoever. This month is already starting to fly by. Um, you know, as we inch closer to um, a vaccine by the makers of Viagra and, you know, January 1st, 2021. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know what to think at this point, Jones, anymore. I, I, I don't know. You think there's um, you think there's going to be any Viagra in the vaccine? I mean, it's, it's, maybe. Uh, I mean, I guess once I get the vaccine, maybe I'll figure out if I have an erection lasting longer than four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Would you take the vaccine if you knew it had Viagra in it? I mean, if it was going to. I mean, if they were like, well, Tom, listen, uh, hard-on's going to save you from COVID-19. You just have to have a raging hard-on for a little bit. I might be like, you know what? I've done I've done a lot worse. I've done a lot worse things. Um, you know? Oh, that's good. Um, you know, I've, I've been living, I've been living inside for this, you know, for so long this year that, that maybe it's time to, you know, go pop a tent somewhere. <laughs> My buddy, Tom Martin, he posted this tweet on Wednesday that said, I guess based on the two different vaccines, we're going to find out what type of person somebody is based on the vaccine they choose, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer. And... I would think that there's a certain crowd of folks that will choose Pfizer because of its relationship to Viagra. Um, you know how I found out Tom, growing up that Pfizer was uh, related to Viagra, that they made Viagra? How's that? <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, I would play the, the NASCAR video game. I think it was NASCAR 05 Chase for the Cup. And oh, Mark Martin, Mark Martin's car, they wouldn't put Viagra on the video game on the, the E for everyone. They'd put Pfizer on there, just like they wouldn't put Budweiser on Dale Jr.'s car or they wouldn't put Miller on Rusty Wallace's car. And that always left me confused. I'm like, why? What's wrong with uh, with Viagra? And then when I found out what Viagra was and. Uh, that Pfizer owned it. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I just wanted to see Viagra on the Mark Martin car. I mean, right. And and what a better, I mean, if you're going to, you know, advertise to a fan base, I mean, what better way than to put Viagra on a car? <laughs> I mean, if you look at the demographics, it's genius, really. Wasn't that the perfect combination, Mark Martin advertising Viagra? 
because he was the, the older drivers. Right. You know, I mean, you know he used it. He had to. And then when David Reagan took over that car, and by the way, David, he's a friend of ours. We like David. There's a whole other story there. When David took over that car, it was so funny. Viagra was out the door immediately. Then somebody like AAA showed up. <laughs> right. He's like, come on. I mean, I would take great pride in driving the, the Viagra car. <laughs> right. What if you could have as your NASCAR sponsors Viagra and, and Hooters or Viagra and Trojan? I've never seen a Trojan car. I that'll be the day. <laughs> that will be the day. Um, I'm trying to think of what another ridiculous one would be that would just turn a lot of heads. I mean, because uh, I mean, granted, yeah, they're they're advertising to their to the demographic that watches the NASCAR, but at the same time, it's it's still. I mean. It's prescribed by your doctor, but it's still a little shock value. I mean, if they wanted to put us to sleep, they would have put Lunesta on there. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> I mean, when what well, I mean, you know, really, if we were going to go back to prescription drug NASCAR drivers, AJ Almond Digger would have to be driving the Adderall car. <laughs> I mean, that is that's the shit I would pay money to see. <laughs> Right. Um, that would be amazing. Uh, you know, Bush Beer sponsors Kevin Harvick. I'm like, why don't they sponsor one of the Bush brothers? That just seems too easy. It's spelled the same way, too. Right. Or, you know, maybe a guy that's from Iowa or something, you know. <laughs> you you got to. That, that, I mean, that and Kyle Bush, M&M's. <laughs> it's just it's kind of like, all right, man, like. That is so 2003. Um, you know, Kyle Bush, you got to put up Kyle Bush in like a. I, at that point, I don't even know what kind of Kyle. I, I don't even know what kind of car you would have to put him in at this point. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of ways that this conversation could go. And, and I feel like at this point, Jones. This show is becoming famous for like tangents, just random tangents like Viagra cars. Um, but I am not going to entertain anything else that I just thought of, at least not live on the show. <laughs> we'll leave that to the imagination of the listeners out there. But uh, Viagra going to be our cure for the coronavirus. Uh, Are we a pro Viagra podcast? I think we are a pro Viagra podcast. When my, Get a hard on for the Jones report. Right. When my dad first told me growing up, when I asked him, like, hey, what's uh, what's Viagra do? <laughs> or uh, what's Cialis do? And he told me. And I still remember the moment. And I just chuckled. I laughed so hard about the idea of what that was for. He immediately regretted telling me what the purpose of Viagra was. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? I was like eight or nine or something like that. At least he was honest with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and we don't shame anybody that uses Viagra. We're a pro-Viagra podcast. If that's the way you go, that's the way you roll, get on with your bad self. Um, <laughs> more power to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tom, let's uh, there we go. Let's move on. I, I gotta say real quick, uh, you're gonna bring in uh, Chris Lilly to talk about this, but I figure we ought to mention just off the top, real briefly here. Greg Marshall out at Wichita State. He forced to resign. Takes home seven point seven five million dollars. There was allegations of abuse, physical and mental abuse of players uh, that the Athletic reported from Jeff Goodman and company uh, several months ago. And you know this stuff came to light, and you know the university did an investigation of it and such. And now he's out of a job. And in Wichita State's case, it is very hard to fire a coach for cause, just the way things are set up nowadays. And even if you do, that's likely to still lead to litigation and lawsuits and such. That sounds like a lot of paying him $7.75 million to go away. But in actuality, they get this over with. They don't have to pay the litigation for the lawsuits and all the legal fees and stuff like that, and then a potential settlement settlement as well. I think Wichita State actually got out of this just fine uh, of moving on from Greg Marshall. And this job, believe it or not, is actually going to be heavily desired of whoever is the next head coach at Wichita State. We've seen names like Thad Mata come up, the former Ohio State coach that took them to a couple national title games Danny Manning's name has come off. I mean, several others here. I think if this Wichita State opening happens five years ago, Tom, um, you know, it would have been hard to bring in a great coach to Wichita State. But you still have the money of the uh, of Charles Koch from Koch Industries. You still have great facilities. Wichita State is a cheap place to live. You're in a really solid basketball conference in the American. Everything's set up for Wichita State to still be just fine, to still go get an elite coach and to pick up right from where they left off. Actually, I think Wichita State handled this situation, assuming they find the right coach, which I think they will. If they do do that, I think they've handled this situation about as well as they could have realistically, Tom. Yeah, I mean, we knew this was coming eventually. Uh, I mean – Greg Marshall, is he going to be able to get another job anywhere else? I don't think he, overall, as far as just coaching ability, not a bad coach. I mean, it just pretty much brought Wichita State up from nothing and made it what it was. But at the same time, you know, what did it cost? What did it cost? Not only Greg Marshall, but the whole university in general, um, you know, to to make the national stage. Um I, do you really see Danny Manning going to Wichita State? If he was offered it, I think he would jump on that. But I don't think they're going to give him that job. I think that they've seen how bad things would at Wake Forest that uh, he would not be my first, second, or third choice if I'm Wichita State. I would pass on Danny Manning. And I like Danny for what he did at Tulsa and for what he did as an assistant coach at KU. But – the memory is too recent for how bad things went there at Wake Forest in the ACC. I would pass on Danny Manning. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can't see Danny Manning there um, either. You know, I don't know at this point. I mean, who goes to Wichita State? I'm not going to say, just you know, not 
a I wouldn't call it a bad job. I mean, you have the you know Greg obviously now Greg Marshall hangover of they they need someone that comes in there that can uh, you know reestablish a culture there and and keep Wichita State you know in in people's mouths um, for the right reasons. Um, so that'll be interesting to see who they go ahead and grab and, and what direction they can move forward from, from, uh, this, all this Greg Marshall stuff. Right. And with Greg Marshall, as far as him finding another job goes, Tom, we've known for a long time that Greg Marshall was an ass. I mean, there's just no <laughs> way around it. I mean, he is an ass. Um, you're just a jerk to the media. Nobody likes him. Um, when the, when this news came out, I was not surprised considering who he is and just the stories that I had heard. This only uh, confirmed kind of what I was already thinking about Greg Marshall. And so I think Wichita State is ultimately going to be just fine. I think Greg Marshall has done too good of a job not to come back and be another head coach again, whether it's you know a smaller Division One program like a Lamar or something like that. But – I would say that another thing about this Wichita State job that's so interesting is the American Athletic Conference has turned into a very good basketball conference. It's better than the Pac-12, quite frankly, which is saying something. Kelvin Sampson's done a great job at Houston. We've seen uh, you know at Tulsa, Frank Haith has done a solid job. Uh, of course, you know uh, Anthony uh, doing a, a terrific job there. At Dayton this past year, I, I guess Dayton's in the A10 rather. Um, but you know some of these schools, you, you're looking down. Uh, Penny Hardaway's at Memphis. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good coaching in this league. I know they had UConn leave recently, but there's a real good opportunity for somebody to take this Wichita State job and be in a pretty competitive conference. So Cincinnati's in this league. Uh, Mick Cronin did a great job there for several years and such there too. So. Um, I think this is a better job than what some people may realize. Even myself, at first, I was shocked at some of the names like Thad Mata and some others that came up for this job. Yeah, I mean, there, there's. I still think, even just with what you know, what I wouldn't say, Greg Marshall. I mean, like you said, well, no, he was an ass. He didn't just leave. I don't think he left the program in shambles. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I wouldn't call this a, even a project job i mean uh you find the right face to get in there and and who knows uh, i mean i don't see why they can't pick up where they left off yeah i'm with you uh for sure tom let's move on to the national football league the chiefs coming off a bye week this week as they take on the raiders and we'll pick this game coming up later on in the show but the chiefs are so good off of bye weeks and i'm telling you tom I'm thinking that the Chiefs here have a message that they want to send, something very loud and clear when they head to Vegas for their first trip ever to Allegiant Stadium. Not only the fact that the Raiders won this first matchup, beating the Chiefs in Kansas City, but you've heard all this talk about the victory lap that the Raiders took around the Chiefs Stadium and you know John Gruden and Andy Reid taking questions about that. And we know that Patrick Mahomes loves to play with a chip on his shoulder of sorts. And now you're in that second half of the season. And one of the things that's been well documented on this show, Tom, for the last 
you know, several weeks when looking at the Kansas City Chiefs is we have said that this team plays at about 70 to 75% of what they're capable of, that they haven't really shown the whole playbook and played at full strength. Now you're getting closer to playoff time. Now you're fighting for that number one seed to hopefully have a first-round bye, which only the top seed gets. I think this is when the Chiefs start to kick it in gear a little bit more, when they start to show more of what they're capable of. Um, I'm feeling really good about this Sunday's game for the Chiefs against the Raiders here. And as far as that 70 to 75% goes, when you saw back in the first meeting between these two teams, the Raiders went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. We've not said that very often about the teams that have beaten the Chiefs in the last couple of years. For the most part, it's been teams that played ball control football, that ran the football, wore out clock, and tried to shorten the game. The Raiders said, no, we're going to go toe-for-toe with the Chiefs. We're going to beat them at their own game, and they did just that. I think that we're looking at Sunday, the revenge factor as the Chiefs win. They put up a lot of points put up a lot of yards, and they deliver a statement. That's what I'm looking for from this team off the bye week. You just officially gave a contract extension to Andy Reid and Brett Veach, your head coach and GM. I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot more energy. It's a Sunday night game, playing in primetime. I think they're going to be ready to play come Sunday. What say you, Tom? Yeah, I think so, too, and and – Travis Kelsey's been talking a lot, and I I like the trash talk from Travis Kelsey. It's a divisional game. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs are who they are. They know who they are, and, and the Raiders are still trying to find an identity just a little bit. Uh, I mean, he he's pretty much said, and you know, on radio or wherever they interviewed Travis Kelsey at this, he called this game the Super Bowl essentially for. Las Vegas Raiders and you know they heard that too uh, he mentioned the laps around the stadium after the Raiders won the first one and and Jones will talk about this more later but uh, it's hard to get these divisional wins Travis Kelsey mentioned that too and and I think that the Chiefs honestly just because the type of players that they have and the personalities on that team I can guarantee you they won the circle this one um, as soon as they lost that game I, I know it's been circled since that last Raiders game. Oh, it, it has to be. And the Chiefs look like they're going to get Sammy Watkins back. We don't know about the status of McCole Hardman and a couple other players when it comes to the COVID list for the Chiefs, but the Raiders put seven players on the COVID list themselves, and so we don't know what their status is going to be ahead of Sunday's game. The Chiefs did end up signing DeAndre Baker, a former cornerback for the Giants. He was their first-round draft selection last year. And if you recall, with DeAndre Baker, he was arrested for armed robbery, and the charges ended up getting dropped. And so now, after all that stuff is cleared, the Chiefs have picked him up, put them on their practice squad. This is what the Chiefs are good at. Uh, One of the many things that Brett Veach does is finding these gems, finding these diamonds in the rut. In Baker's case, assuming that he's cleared and all this stuff has moved on, you had a need at the cornerback spot. It was very evident that's probably the weakest position for this team, and now they may have just found a first-round talent to fill that void. 
if Baker is what he says he is, if all this stuff is cleared behind him, the rich just got richer again, Tom. Yeah, and, you know, players with off-the-field issues are the Chiefs' guilty pleasure, but they do well with every single one of them. Um, so I, I don't see why this wouldn't be another one. You know, I know the charges were dropped, um, but, but still, I, I mean – Armed robbery is a pretty big thing to be charged with in the first place. I don't see a problem with this one. Um, I, I think Baker's going to be fine. And uh, like you said, the rich get richer. Yeah. And, and the COVID list for the Chiefs right now, uh, it's not pretty. You're talking about Eric Fisher being on it. Uh, we mentioned McCole Hardman, some of these others here. Um, it's not going to be easy to necessarily replace these players if you have to. Um, but with the Raiders having their concerns with, you know, at least eight defensive starters on their list heading into this weekend's game, that kind of balances it out of some sorts. It is worth noting, Tom, um, as far as this COVID list goes, this is all about contact tracing. This does not necessarily mean that eight players on the Oakland, the Oakland, there it is, said Oakland again. That eight <laughs> players on the Las Vegas Raiders have COVID. It means they've potentially come in contact and that they're quarantining and going through all that. It very well could be the case, Tom, that the players on the COVID list for the Chiefs and the Raiders are all off of it and playing by Sunday. I mean, we really just don't know. This is just a safety precaution the league has put in place here. Right, and, and there they very well could all play. Um, but obviously, if they're quarantining, they don't get to practice or be around the team. Um, you know, and, and just dealing with that and being on that list and then going in and try to play a game, I mean, your whole your, your whole focus kind of shifts. Um, so it's be interesting to see how those players, the ones on the list, if they do get to play, what their performance is going to be like. Yeah. And in the last game, we mentioned that the Raiders had a great day from Derek Carr, his best performance ever against the Chiefs, best performance at Arrowhead, the way that they passed the football. But Josh Jacobs was a little dinged up at that game. He wasn't quite 100%. And now, Tom, Josh Jacobs, I know he's a Tulsa kid, so this is easier for you and I to say, but I feel like Josh Jacobs is the best running back in the National Football League or at least top three anyway. And if he's healthy and playing at 100%, then I would expect the Raiders to actually go back to him as their primary number one option, run the football, open up the play-action pass. I think that's when the Raiders are at their best here. I know what they did in the first game, but if I'm the Raiders, I'll be saying, you know, hey, look, the Chiefs are not going to let that happen again. We have to find another way to compete here. I think if I'm the Raiders here, I would lock in on Josh Jacobs, and I think the Chiefs should do the same. They should focus a lot of their attention to this healthy Josh Jacobs who's been playing some great football as of late. Oh, yeah. I mean, Josh Jacobs, we are a little biased, obviously, but, I mean, it's rightfully so. I mean, yeah, I would call him top three back. I mean, he plays like it. He runs hard. He's hard to bring down, and and he's putting up the numbers, and and – you know, I'm not going to take away from the Raiders. They've been, they've surpassed kind of my expectations. They've been playing some decent football. 
Um, I think Jones kind of what it comes down to this week, and we'll talk about it obviously more later on in the show, but I think it kind of what it comes down to is, is the Chiefs are going to want this one more. And I know the Raiders are going to want it. It's not saying the Raiders don't want it. Uh, it's the Chiefs are – they're just ready to go. It's, it's, it's like if little brother beat you at Madden and you kind of took it easy on them, somehow snuck out of, of the hell end or something. The next game, you're just going to want to actually, you know, absolutely just shit on them. Um, and that's what the Chiefs are going to do now. They're trying to put little brother back in place. Last thing on this game, Tom, and then we'll move on. The question I have that I think has been answered, but I'd be curious what your answer is on this. Are we buying into John Gruden now? I mean, the first couple of years, there was some skeptics, and it, it seemed like mentally you wondered if Gruden was actually all there and everything, um, that he was kind of all over the place of sorts. What do you say about John Gruden now? I know that he's not Andy Reid or Bill Belichick, but I think realistically you could make a case that John Gruden's a top 10 coach in this league right now. Um, I've been very impressed with John Gruden. I think Gruden deserves credit for the Raiders being in this position that they're in right now. Are you buying or selling John Gruden? No, I'm buying for sure. Um, you know, I, I think it – the, the Raiders bought into John Gruden as well and, and knew that it wasn't going to be an overnight fix. Um, and, you know, to be fair, for the money he's getting paid, I knew they were going to buy him out. Um, there's no way. Um, but, you know, so it, it they knew it was going to take some time. They were going to give him that time because of the money he was getting paid or is being paid. And it's, it's paying off. You know, they're, they're getting trying to get settled in in a new city, newer fan base. Brand new stadium. Uh, I mean, John Gruden's a brilliant NFL mind, and and it's you know give him maybe even give him a few more years. Yeah, he's he's in the division with the Chiefs. He's he's gonna have a little tough time, but I mean, hell, this year they pull off the win. I mean, you're already gonna split the the games with the Chiefs. That's pretty good already. Um, and then you know you have a chance at home in Las Vegas at your brand new stadium to potentially sweep the Chiefs. I mean, if you're a Raiders fan, you know, obviously if you're an Oakland Raiders fan, you might be a little salty that your team just left. But at the same time, uh, the Raiders look more promising than they have in a long time. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, let's look at the rest of the games in the NFL. Tonight, Thursday night football, Cardinals and the Seahawks. This game in Seattle, the Seahawks are a three-point favorite We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. Um, Tom, both these teams really need this win. I think it puts both teams in a tough spot if you fall to 6-4 and four in that division, but also for a wild-card berth. We're seeing the NFC is very competitive. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, the Seahawks didn't do themselves any favors um, losing um, to the Rams on Sunday night. And, you know, they're on a short week. Um, I mean, the Cardinals are on just a short of a week. They played a later game uh, as, as well and, and pulled, got it pulled off against Buffalo and one of the craziest game, probably the craziest game of the week. Um, you know, both teams need a win. Everyone's sitting at a tie at 6-3, and three, obviously besides the 49ers. But 
I mean, whoever wins this game does a lot for them um, because, you know, that puts them a game, essentially, I believe, a game ahead because if that's if the Rams um, lose on Monday night and the Rams are not playing a slouch either, playing Tampa Bay. Um, so there's a real chance there. Um, so this game means a lot. This game means as much as the Rams-Seahawks game did last week when we said the winner of that game is is in driver's seat for the division. Um, and, and to be fair, the NFC West, the Rams and Cardinals still have to play twice. Um, the Seahawks play the Rams again. Um, and I think Cardinals may play the 49ers again and the Rams play the 49ers again. But um, this this division's all over the place. It's going to be, I mean, are you going to be shocked if three NFC West teams get into the playoffs? No, I, I kind of expect it at this point that three will get in. Um, you just wonder if they're going to end up beating each other up too much to stop that from happening. But it's been a great run, no doubt about that. Cardinals are playing better football than the Seahawks right now, but the Seahawks are certainly capable of it. Russell Wilson's got to turn things around. I think he will. Uh, but he's kind of the key in all this is he can't be slumping. DeAndre Hopkins, man, was that the best thing to happen to Kyler Murray? For that hell Murray oh. to happen last week, uh, DeAndre Hopkins oh. is uh, something else. i tell you what, folks. Um, we'll get to that game coming up later on in the show. Sunday's action, the Eagles taking on the Browns. The Eagles 3-5-1 and one are somehow still in first place in the NFC East. The Browns is 6-3. and three. They're winning games, but they're beating bad teams when they do it. Tom, is there any chance we see Jalen Hurts take on Baker Mayfield here? Do we see Jalen at all? I mean, Carson Wentz clearly is struggling right now. I mean, he is not the same quarterback that he was two years ago. What is going on with Carson Wentz right now? I can't figure this out. This game has ugly written all over it. I think we're talking about like a 13-10 to 10 ball game here between these two teams. I would give the edge to the Browns, I guess, uh, but I think we're looking at uh, an ugly one come Sunday between these two. Yeah, it is going to be ugly. And, and you know, if you're an Eagles fan right now, you are thankful that you're in first place in the division. And by God, get to host a playoff game. Oh, that's that's some shit's got to change. Um, but you know, if you're an Eagles fan, you know it's. I mean, I guess it's close. It's not going to be Dallas or Washington. You know, I know it's the records are still close, but at this point, you have to think it's either the Giants or the Eagles. And if you would have told me the Giants could have won the NFC West at the beginning of the season, I'd have laughed. But uh, Daniel Jones. I know we're not talking about the Giants, but. If Daniel Jones is doing this well, I think as an Eagles fan, you got to say, you know what? We 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 used a pick on Jalen Hurts. We need to see what we have in the fold. And and the rest of the division is so bad that you know maybe this game we we find out here. Um, you got to find out sooner or later. Uh, I think you have to it, run him out there for a couple, you know, for a couple series and just see. Uh, I mean, because right now Carson Wentz is shadow of his former self, and and you know, like Philly is supposedly the city of brotherly love. I can guarantee you that there is almost half that fan base probably calling for Carson Wentz's head right now, and and ready to see what they spin a pick on. Run Jalen Hurts out there and find out. All right, might as well at this point because you're not getting it out of Carson. 
um, which just blows my mind because I was a big Carson Wentz fan. I liked what he was doing out of uh, his first couple years of college, but he's just not the same quarterback that he once was. And it's uh, it's frustrating, I imagine, for Eagles fans. Falcons taking on the Saints, and Jameis Winston will likely get his first start ever with the New Orleans Saints. Saints are a five-point favorite in this game here, Tom. And what an opportunity that Jameis has on his hands here. If he plays well, wins football games, doesn't turn the football over, I think he's going to find himself a job next year, maybe even right there in New Orleans. I mean, this next stretch, we don't know when Drew Brees is going to be able to come back. This is huge for Jameis Winston to uh, try to figure this out on a on a loaded team, uh, a lot better team than what he had in uh, in Tampa Bay last year. Yeah, a lot better team. I mean, you have Michael Thomas. I mean, uh, if you're, you know, pardon my French, don't this up, Jameis. You have a, a solid defense. Um, you have, you know, that can, can somewhat back you a little bit. Um, you have a solid receiving core, you know, solid, pretty much solid offense all around. Uh, this is, you know, one shot, one opportunity M&M style here. Uh, you know, you, we don't know what's going to happen to Drew Brees. I mean, he's got broken ribs and a, a freaking punctured lung. Um, you know, and, and for the Saints, you know, they saw it last year with Teddy Bridgewater, he ended up getting his shot and left New Orleans. Probably should have never let him leave. Um, Taysom Hill, not probably not the answer. And and for Jameis Winston, probably didn't think he was going to get a shot this this quick, honestly. But now he has it. Um, you got to think he's probably still somewhat nervous. Um, but go out and he could. I mean, this is a guy in college that that wrecked shop. I you know. I get that he had the most passing yards, but also had the most interceptions. But James Winston is capable. He is. The talent is there. It's just a matter of if he can put it together. Standing on a corner, James Winston, Tampa, Florida. Such a fine sight <laughs> to see. Uh, yes, uh, as our friends from PMT would say, yes. Uh, so we are uh, – I hope James does well. I want to see him earn himself a job next year. Um, but this is big for him. Got to play well this next stretch uh, until Drew Brees comes back. Bengals taking on Washington. Alex Smith got the start last week. Played pretty decent, too. Imagine he'll get the start again. Bengals suffered a, a brutal loss there against Pittsburgh. Uh, they couldn't protect Joe Burrow. I mean, it was just so bad. Tom, I could see this one going either way. I think I'd lean towards Cincinnati, though. Yeah, you know, for – you know, for what it's worth, I mean, I don't think the Bengals thought they were going to beat Pittsburgh. I know there was some Twitter banter back and forth, but, uh, you know, Joe Burrow is, you know, fighter. Um, and, and I want to see him do good. And I, I think he will. I, I think, you know, obviously he's a rookie. He's going to, you know, there's going to be some hurt. Um, and when you play on a team like the Bengals, there's going to be more hurt. Um, but the, the Bengals are showing, they, record doesn't show it but just the the on the field play shows promise <laughs> right exactly um the lions taking on the panthers and we're still a couple days away before we get to see the lions annual thanksgiving day loss in the meantime they take on a panthers team that it doesn't look like christian mccaffrey's going to be back but they are at home though 
Um, the offense looked fine last week against Tampa, but the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Um, Tom, I, I think I would lean towards Carolina in this game here, but Detroit might be doing just enough to keep Matt Patricia around at this point at 4-5 and five in the season. If they're going to keep Patricia, they'd probably have to win this game. Yeah, I, th- I think they do as well. Um, I mean, this Panthers team, too, is 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 kind of odd. You know, I, is Teddy Bridgewater – sorry, Teddy Bridgewater going to be back? I know he got hurt. Uh, it sounds like he'll be good to go, yes. Yeah, Panthers kept that – that game close Jones. And I thought at first by the look at it, I thought, okay, well, the Panthers might not win, but looks like we have a real good shot to, to cover and, and win, you know, that, that pick them from last week. Um, but then the, the bucks just took off. Uh, I mean, left them, left the Panthers in the dust kind of probably about the time Bridgewater got hurt, but this, this Panthers team is a, a good, bad team. Uh, we've been saying we've been using that phrase all season long. I, I got to like the Panthers here. Yeah, I'm with you. Steelers taking on the Jags. They should have no problems beating this Jags team. I don't know if Gardner Minshew's back or not when it comes to Jacksonville. I haven't watched much Jacksonville, to be honest with you, this year. Um, Steelers at 9-0. and Have to imagine they'll go up to 10-0. and you know, They've already broke the franchise record for most wins to start a season. And you got to think, Tom. Now we open up this. We open up the discussion about if this team can go undefeated. You have the Ravens on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. You get the Bills in a couple weeks after that, and the Colts a couple weeks after that. But in between there, you have Washington, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. I don't think they'll go undefeated, but. It's not out of the picture. That's not a bad slate to end the season for Pittsburgh here. I don't think they'll go undefeated either. It's just very hard to do, especially in the final games. And, and you know, with the injury history of Big Ben, if they do get close um, to going undefeated, you know, it's, like I said, not out of the question. But if they do get close and can lock up the number one seed in the AFC, uh, which, you know, they'll have the Chiefs right on their tail, um, then, then if they end up blocking it up, then they're going to start my boy Mason Rudolph and that will be the end of the undefeated season. It just really depends on which route Mike Tomlin wants to go. It can be done. Um, but at what cost do you want to risk big Ben in the playoffs, um, just to get that undefeated streak going or to, to just accomplish that. Right. Um, it would be huge. It would be huge for Mike Tomlin Jones. I, I know. I know that you like Mike Tomlin, kind of, but then you can also be critical of Mike Tomlin. For the people that are critical of Mike Tomlin, what I mean after I remember, remember last season, obviously Big Ben went down, and uh, you know the the Steelers showed so much promise. This looks like this season it's obviously paying off. Uh, I mean, Mike Tomlin deserves some credit here. I think that defense deserves some credit. Whoever's wide receivers for deserves a whole hell of a lot of credit yeah uh kevin colbert's done a great job when it comes to finding these receivers in the draft and claypool's been phenomenal i don't think they're going to resign juju in the offseason and quite frankly they don't need to with what they've gotten out of uh johnson and uh james washington as well with those receiver spots they're just loaded there 
Um, but with the Steeler team, what's real interesting, Tom, is that you have a situation here where the Steelers are this week. You hear Big Ben wants to throw less in practice, and Tomlin says, hell no. And you hear uh, you know, Tomlin take that shot at the MAC conference, and Big Ben says he has a problem with that and says that he's trying to figure out what conference William and Mary is, which is where Tomlin went to school and such here. I don't think those are major issues. I know a lot of people like to pub that up a bit, but quite frankly, I think the Steelers are trying to keep themselves entertained of some sorts here. I, I think Tomlin and Big Ben have been around each other enough for a long time that they know each other's sense of humor and they know their clicks and sorts there. Um, I think the chemistry of this team is not an issue. It was a couple years ago with Brown and Bell, but I think this team is clicking. Where I do see a concern is that running back spot. James Conner, great story, but he's just not it. they got to find a better solution than James Conner at that running back spot. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, honestly, James Conner showed a lot of promise at first, and, and we mentioned at the beginning of the year, just looks slower out of the gate. Um, and Jones remind me of the other running back that they have. Benny um, Snell. Yeah, he looked pretty solid. Um, to start, I mean, they're going to have to look for a different option there, obviously out of the backfield, but, um, so far, I mean, they've, they've been able to find options, you know, that at when the killer just, you know, decided to go away, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and obviously just the injuries to big Ben. I mean, it, it, you know, from some perspective, it sounded, seemed like the end of the world and, uh, Steelers have done a pretty good and quick job at restacking. Yeah, they have. Let's move on. Titans take on the Ravens. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. Tom, I think this game is going to tell us a lot about both these teams and where they're at right now because I think both of them have something to prove at this point in the season. Yeah, Jones and, and both teams coming off losses that that probably shouldn't have happened. The Ravens to the Patriots and, and you know, the Titans to the Colts. Uh, you know, I, what was that, last Thursday? I mean – so the Titans have had time. The Ravens, you know, obviously not as much time as the Titans, but uh, big shocker there, the Patriots taking down the Ravens. I don't know if they slept on them a little bit or what, um, but both teams have a lot to prove. Um, you know, the Titans in, in that division, obviously, you, you know, not, you know, not too crazy there for them. I mean, you have the Colts, obviously, they just lost to and, and Jacksonville and, and the Texans who haven't been doing anything. But uh, for the Ravens, it means any everything because at this point, it's going to be tough to catch the Steelers. Um, and so you're going to want to lock up, you know, the highest wild card that you can possible here uh, if you're the Ravens because unless something goes down in Pittsburgh, I, I don't see the Ravens catching them. So they need to stay, you know, they need to control their own wild card destiny at this point, I guess you could say, uh, and, and hope a miracle happens that the Steelers fall apart. Um, but it a lot on the line for both. I think maybe even more so for the Ravens at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the Patriots taking on the Texans. I can see this game going either way. I know the Patriots are favored by two here, but ultimately what, Patriots team is going to show up here. I think with the Texans, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to play well, that he's not going to get much help, and the rest of the team around him is going to struggle. 
But with the Patriots, we don't know if we're going to see the Patriots like we did against the Ravens or the team that barely beat the Jets. Ultimately, that's what this game comes down to is what Patriots team hits the field on Sunday, Tom. Man, what? how crazy good of a game would this game have been last season? Right? Oh, it would have been phenomenal. I mean, and now it's just like, well, am I going to watch this game if it's on? No. Um, but it really does depend on what teams show up. You know, Deshaun Watson's going to play well, like you said, but are we going to get the Patriots team that rolled out against the Ravens, or are we going to get the Patriots team that everyone hopes and prayed for after Tom Brady? Right. That remains to be seen. The Dolphins taking on the Broncos this game in mile high. I expect the Dolphins to have a big day. I'm high on the Dolphins uh, with Brian Flores and company, and Tua's played very well. He hasn't lost a game yet as the starter in Miami. Tom, I, I think Miami can win this game by double digits. I, I think that they could have a really nice day uh, on a Sunday on the road in Denver here. Yeah, I think so, too. That defense is going to, you know, whoever lines up at QB for the Broncos, it's going to have a field day. Or not a – they're, they're going to wish they could have a field day. They're going to have a long day um, because the Dolphins are going to come to play. Um, and the defense has been phenomenal for Miami. So, uh, you know, Denver I, – I don't even – I forget who Denver got blanked. Not they didn't get blanked, but put up 12 points. I'm trying to think who they played last week. Um, but, yeah, Denver, at this point, Miami should, you know, keep on rolling. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, the other games here, a couple more left. Packers taking on the Colts this game in Indianapolis. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show here. Uh, Tom, I think the Packers are a whole lot better team than the Colts are right now. I know that the Colts had that win against the Titans, but I, I still got to see more. Uh, the defense sure is good in Indianapolis, but – you can't sell me on Phillip Rivers, for crying out loud. Aaron Rodgers here, um, he, he's got to be one of the MVP favorites right now. Yeah, Jones, and, and Aaron Rodgers has been great all pretty much all season. I'll bet one game against the Buccaneers really couldn't do a whole lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just uh, are kind of on a – just kind of on a roll a bit, kind of one of those teams that – that you don't want to see come postseason time. And, and I don't think the Colts want to see the Packers this week either. <laughs> I don't think they do uh, as well. Vikings take on the Cowboys this game in Minneapolis. The Vikings on a roll as of late. Got a win on Monday Night Football against the Bears. They're 4-5 and five now. Tom, getting Dalvin Cook back was big. Justin Jefferson has been one of the best rookie receivers in the league, but this is still Kurt Cousins and company here. They'll win, but even if they move to 5-5 five and five here, uh, don't get your hopes up if you're Minneapolis as far as making the postseason goes. This season is still finished for, uh, for Minnesota right now, I think. Yeah, Mike Zimmer, in my opinion, still should be on the hot seat. Uh, I mean – yeah, they pull it off against a, a Bears team that's having a lot of trouble. Um, may you know the Vikings can do it again, but it's it's at this point. I do you do you tank? I I mean you're not with the NFC being as competitive as it is. I don't see 
I really don't see NFC North getting um, a wild card. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, with the Vikings, last week Cousins got his first Monday night football win ever of his career. He was 0-9 entering that game on Monday night, and it was the worst record in the history of the league for a quarterback on Monday night football. The Bears had no business playing on Monday night football, not necessarily even because of their record, but because of their brand of football is just so bad and so boring. As far as I'm concerned, Tom, Kirk Cousins is still winless on Monday Night Football uh, because the Bears shouldn't even been on there. Right? Yeah. I mean, you you get your first win against a lowly Bears team. I mean, yeah, you play the people in front of you, but um, at the same time, it's just like goose. I don't know about all that. Uh, I mean, I don't. I still don't think he's the answer uh, in Minnesota, and, and I'm probably not the minority in saying that either. No, you're uh, certainly not. Last one, the Rams take it on the Bucks. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. But, Tom, uh, both these teams will make the playoffs. I don't think there's any question about that. But I do think this is a game that's big for both these teams in regards to their division races and to see how good they are among some of the best teams in the NFC. Because right now, there's no clear front runner, best team in the NFC right now. I mean, it's still pretty wide open uh, at this point in the year. And, one of these two teams could be that potential team that represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. Jones and one of those teams was your Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, I and obviously one of those teams is my favorite team. Um, but yeah, I think it could happen. Um, you know, obviously Tom Brady, that you don't want to ever count him out. Uh, and for the Rams, it's they're kind of sneaky. There's it's it, you know, some weeks it feels like, okay, what Rams team is going to get, you know, going to come this week. Uh, I mean, the the Dolphins game, that defense just tore Goff apart. The 49ers game, that was a little out of there. And, and yeah, you, you get a, a defensive pass interference call against the Bills that allows Josh Allen to do what Kyler Murray did uh, against Josh Allen. Um, so, yeah, it's very possible either one of these teams could represent NFC in the Super Bowl, and and maybe this is a uh, you know a foreshadowing to a matchup in in the playoffs. Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Um, I I don't think this is going to be a classic all time game, maybe like the Rams Chiefs was a couple of years ago. Um, but I do think it has the potential to be one of the best Monday fo- Monday night football games um, all year. Yeah. I think so. Uh, real quick, before we get to Chris Lilly, it's time for this week's Big 12 breakdown. And there's only going to be a few games in the Big 12 Conference this week. We'll start out with OU and OSU. Bedlam. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. But uh, OSU enters at a 5-1 and one record. OU at 5-2 and two right now. And, you know, looking at both these teams, Tom, you have this Oklahoma team who – Got off to a rough start to this season, losing those first two games of the year to K-State and Iowa State. And since then, they've played a lot better football. Oklahoma State got off to a decent start to the season. And then there was a lull of sorts, losing that game to Texas that they should have won. And then winning a close game against K-State a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I think you look at these two teams and sure, you say OU's playing better football right now, but I think you have to take into account, too, that 
schedule-wise, OU has played a lighter schedule now compared to what they played back then. OSU has played a tougher schedule compared to what they played earlier on in the year. Maybe we shouldn't read too much into how these teams have played as of late and look more at their overall body of work for where they're at at this point in the season right now. Yeah, that's a good point you make there, too, that that their schedules are kind of flip-flop where, you know, the light work was good for, you know, Oklahoma State early on and they got tougher. And Oklahoma or for OU, it, it was tougher early on, and now it's getting easier. Uh, maybe these teams are pretty even, you know, it's, uh, you know, kind of tough to see. I mean, o- Oklahoma State's only loss is, um, you know, against Texas that took OU to four overtimes. Um, and, and really, Oklahoma State sh- should have won that game. Um, but I, I guess the thing is that the games that OU has won, they've they've put the hurt on the other team. And the games that OK State has won, they haven't really just blown the doors open on anybody other than Kansas. And that's not you can't really even say anything about that. Um, obviously, it's it's been a, an offensive struggle for Oklahoma State all season long. Uh, started off in the first quarter of the first game. Um, and for for OU, you know, kind of some struggles with Rattler, but he's gotten a lot better. Um, they've gotten some sus- suspended players back now. Um, you know, this is going to be the toughest defense that OU's had to face all season. Um, likewise, this is going to be probably the, I don't know about best defensive line. Um that Oklahoma State's faced, I guess, all season. Maybe you say West Virginia, but at this point, you have Ronnie Perkins back for OU. Um, and, and with the offensive line as banged up as, as it is for Oklahoma State, that, those are going to be factors. I mean, can this can this Oklahoma State defense stop, um, you know, a, a, a ball-rolling OU offense here as of late? And can, you know, OU – keep stopping what hasn't been too hard to stop all year in the Oklahoma State offense. I mean, uh, it's going to come down to Oklahoma State's offensive line, and it's going to come down to how many points can that OU offense score on prob- uh, on the best defense in the Big 12. I think also what we need to see from Oklahoma State is Chuba Hubbard's got to have a big day. I know that there's been a lot of focus that's been – pointed to Spencer Sanders and potentially playing Shane Ellingworth and all that. But Chuba Hubbard's had a down year, and I think that his backup, L.D. Brown, has played probably better than he has this year. Um, I think Chuba Hubbard needs to have a big day. What we've seen from this OU defense is that they struggle against the run. When somebody tries to be physical and run through them. I mean, look at Sam Ellinger in that Texas game that you mentioned. Ran all over that OU defense. I think that's the key for Oklahoma State is if Chuba Hubbard can run the football. Uh, if they can do that, I think Oklahoma State's got a great shot to win this game. But if Oklahoma State can't run it at all with Chuba Hubbard, I think this team's going to be in trouble. Yeah, and it, it's going to come down. What can that line do? How healthy is the line going to be? Can they pull it together? Um, and I, I think um, some of that this year has, has been Chuba Hubbard's used to playing, you know, with a line that's, I guess, not pieced together. Um, a lot of, lot of 
transition on on that offensive line. They just people wherever they can put them, honestly. Um, and and you know, Brown is probably a more physical runner, obviously, than Chuba is. And Chuba, you know, needs to break through to that and get a little bit more push off the line. Um, but then when he gets in the open, he's pretty much unstoppable. Um, hasn't really been able to break to that second level like he was last year. Um, I'm, I guess I'm more concerned, other than the offensive line for Oklahoma State, that turnovers. I mean, essentially for me, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later on the show, but um, for me, I guess my key factor for Oklahoma State pulling this out of their ass is do not turn the ball over. Not at all. Not a fumble, not a pick. Um, you know, don't, don't put yourself in the third and long that if you have to go for it on fourth down, you know, don't, don't turn it over whatsoever. Not on downs, not through the air, not on the ground. If they can do that and, and Jones and, and obviously I'm an Oklahoma state fan. I, I will, I would put money on that Spencer Rattler throws at least one pick in this game to the Oklahoma state defense, maybe more. I know he's been better as of late, but this is the best defense he's faced. Um, and I'll probably bet money Oklahoma State does turn it over. Um, but if they want to win this game, that better that better be their focus. Do not put the ball on the ground. Do not put – don't turn it over through the air. Do not turn it over on downs. Uh, and Jones, one more thing. A lot of this game is going to be Casey Dunn. What do you have? What do you have up your sleeve? This is the season right here. You lay it all out. There's you don't need to hide anything anymore, and maybe he's not hiding anything. Um, time to get a little bit more creative. And Mike Yersich doesn't seem as bad, and I know it's Casey Dunn's first year ever calling plays. Um, but from a, a, a somewhat disgruntled Oklahoma State fan, as far as offensive goes, uh, it, it's time to pull the the rabbit out of the hat. Well, and and here's the thing too: calling plays is not that hard either. We try to make it to seem like this, you know, big complicated source. It's really not. It's not that hard to find, I think, a very good play caller. And so it is put up or shut up time for Casey Dunn because he could be easily replaced. Um, Oklahoma State's had great coordinators over the years. But I think the coaching matchup's an interesting one because we saw this offseason. Lincoln Riley and Mike Gundy took completely different approaches to how they went about things, whether it was, you know, social injustices to the coronavirus or whatever it may be. These guys could not have been more different from each other and how they handled their programs and went through those things. And we have seen Mike Gundy, his record against OU is not good. Um, only two wins in his entire time there. He has struggled against the Sooners. And that hasn't always been the case for OSU coaches there. Les Miles did pretty decent against uh, OU, uh, Gundy's predecessor. Gundy, he needs this one, and he's got a good shot. Can they put it all together? That remains to be seen. But I think that's a big part of this is the coaching battle is Lincoln Riley versus Mike Gundy. What Mike Gundy are we going to see? And, you know, I – I saw him a couple weeks ago against that K-State game. Mike was complaining about the K-State band, and there was this video that went viral about the band playing during play call while play was going on, and he's complaining about that. I'm like, Mike, you got bigger issues to deal with than the band. 
I mean, like, come on. Are we really going to complain about the band here? Um, you know, I, I see in Mike Gundy right now, he's not who he was. I'm a big Mike Gundy fan. I was a very vocal supporter of his, um, you know, through his time at Oklahoma State. But this guy's running a dysfunctional operation right now. Um, you know, he is all out of whack, all out of sorts. I, I watched that that our time series and he comes off as a crazy man. Um, I'm concerned for Mike Gundy. I'm concerned for his mental well being right now. And we'll just see. We'll see what happens when this game rolls around on a Saturday. We'll talk about it more later on. K State and Iowa State, the Cyclones are ranked seventeenth in the country. Tom, do you know what the nickname for this rivalry is? I uh, do not. I think you're gonna love it when I tell you. It's called Farmageddon. I love it. I hope they have the shirt, the the I love farming shirt out in full force. <laughs> oh yes, Farmageddon, K State and Iowa State. These two teams really don't like each other. Uh K State fans cannot stand Matt Campbell, which I think is so funny because who has an issue with Matt Campbell? I mean, do you have an issue with Matt Campbell, Tom? Um I mean, No, no. It, it's it's not yet. Right. It's so strange to me. But K-State playing with Will Howard and company. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show here. But Iowa State, 5-2, five 5-1 and two, five and one in league play. I think there's too much talent on the field for, for Iowa State to not beat K-State here. I like what K-State's done this year. They've certainly overachieved. But with the way things have gone the last couple of weeks for the, uh, the Wildcats, Tom, I think kind of that good luck that – after what they did to start out league play and playing a freshman quarterback in Will Howard, I think things finally have started to catch up to K-State a little bit here. Yeah, they have, and and they're going to be playing a a tough Iowa State team that, you know, I guess a positive here for K-State, you realize that Baylor had Iowa State on the ropes, and, uh, you know, I think if K-State can find a way to start out hot, maybe they can end up in the same position and, you know, I, I don't think – I think that K-State defense is too good to allow something like the Baylor-Iowa State game to happen. But um, we'll talk about it later, you know, obviously later on in the show. But um, I think this could be a great game. I think this could be a field goal type game even. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, Brock Purdy and company, you know, Brees Hall and, um, you know, Kolar and such. I mean, that's that's a lot of talent this Iowa State team has. K-State isn't putting that type of talent on the field. I think both these coaches are very even between Kleiman and Campbell. It just simply comes down to Iowa State's just a lot better team right now. I think Iowa State's going to win this one and take care of business there. We'll pick it We'll pick it against the spread later on. Texas against KU, that was postponed. Um, we found out earlier in the week that due to the ongoing numbers of cases of COVID in, uh, in Douglas County in the state of Kansas that KU was not going to have fans in the stands for all athletic activities for the rest of this month. And then a little inside baseball here, Tom. Um, They have not given us credentials this year for KU athletics before the season began. It's always been week by week. And um, I had not been approved for a credential yet. And this was as of Wednesday afternoon. I'm like, well, this is kind of odd. 
and hadn't heard anything, not even a no of some sorts. And then we find out, you know, a couple hours later, this game's canceled. And it sounds like from what Les Miles was indicating on his coaches show the other night, that it's their defensive line group. The way that they've done this with the COVID protocols is that if you have, uh, if you can't have a roster of 53 players or you can't field a certain position, then you have to postpone the game and move it to a later date. In KU's case, they didn't have enough guys for the defensive line, is what it sounds like of guys testing positive for COVID. Halloween wasn't too long ago. We've seen the after effects of that. The second wave of coronavirus is here. Um, I'm not surprised that this happened. And I think we're going to see some more cancellations, unfortunately, as the weeks ramp up. This game wasn't going to be competitive. I think Texas was going to beat the heck out of this KU team. And it was going to be pretty ugly. Um, KU, you had a bye week last week. Now a chance to get healthier and such. You know, throughout this point, Texas... You push this game to late December now. Texas has a couple weeks off here. Um, obviously, it was the right decision to go ahead and cancel this game and, and try to play it later on in the season. But I, I think it could do both these teams a benefit, actually, of just having this time off of sorts here. Texas is not playing their best football right now. Uh, this could be a big opportunity for Tom Herman to get his, his, uh, his team back in order there, Tom. Yeah, I mean, Texas could, you know, obviously some things fall where they may for Texas. Maybe they end up in the Big 12 championship. I mean, they're going to need some help, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, were they going to beat Kansas anyway? Yes. But, you know, get healthier, uh, take a little bit more time off, kind of, you know, still reset and get some things into focus for them and and, um, come back and, and hope, you know, fall. Uh, for Tom Urban, I mean, there's some Texas fans that probably tell you that hope that you know they probably would have hoped that KU would have went ahead and beat them uh, to get Tom Herman out of there. You know, that's I don't know, fifty, but I know there's a lot coming from down in Austin. They unha- still unhappy with Tom Herman despite the o- OSU win and everything like that. But uh, Jones for KU, yeah, you get another week to get healthy you know, air quotes, get better air quotes. But I mean, at that point, you're just, you know, patting the loser on the back and, and just saying, you know, keep doing your best. I mean, I feel, I, and then I feel sorry for KU. I feel more sorry for KU every week, even if they don't play. <laughs> oh man. That, that says everything right there about this Kansas team. Uh, we're going to talk to Chris Loving. We'll get his thoughts on uh, some Big 12 football. Also, Greg Marshall out at Wichita State, what that all means. And we'll also talk some Chiefs football as well as Chris Lilly joins us next. Later on the show, we'll have our O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em. Also, we will have uh, Tom Fullery, and we're going to talk some NBA draft in the NBA offseason uh, as well, coming up later on the show as well. Stay with us as we're all along here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from Cake in Wichita, it is our buddy Chris Lilly, who is back on the program once again. Chris, it's been a moment. Appreciate you joining us, man, uh, for a little Lilly Lilly uh, time here on the Jones Report this week. Thanks for stopping by, man. 
Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Chris, uh, I imagine this has been a uh, wild few weeks for you covering this uh, Wichita State story with uh, Greg Marshall now out at WSU after what was a uh, great run there for the Shockers uh, over the last several years. Yeah, it has been pretty crazy um, from the allegations surfacing in October and then that whole ride and then the school launching an investigation up until he was coaching up until like 10 days ago. And then all of a sudden he was absent from practice every day, which then kind of we everyone knew the writing was on the wall. But yeah, the all time winning as coach in Wichita State history, no longer with the team, resigns and they're kind of moving forward. And we knew for about at least the last week that this was bound to happen. It was going to be a matter of where, whether they fired him or he resigned and such. They ultimately come up with this settlement. Uh, I believe it's, what, five, six years of you know $7.75 million to be paid during that stretch. Uh, how, how did this decision come about to ultimately choose this way forward of a settlement between the two? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, they won't really delve into the specifics of it which everyone's kind of frustrated with this i know i am at least that there's no transparency of how they came to this decision the separation agreement has been uh, they're not going to release that they're not going to comment further on the investigation it's now closed they cited that since there's private information involved with it which that's what every investigation is like isn't it right. like if there's no private information in an investigation you did a terrible investigation, um, but they're not going to release any of that. And so honestly, we have no real idea why they went with the resignation, but my guess is they had, they came together and they're like, Hey, this is what we found out. Not great for you. Not great for us. We, this can't go on. And we, you have to go and his lawyer, very good and figure out a way to get him $7 million over the next six years to not coach there. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, that was their way of saying that we'll never talk about this. You never talk about this and we can both kind of move on. Yeah. Like a, a non-disclosure agreement of sorts uh, going on. There. Oh, I'm sure there is one in, involved. <laughs> I would not doubt that for a second. <laughs> right. Yes. And uh, Chris, the other part of this too, which is uh you know, so you know, the big big deal in this investigation is based on these allegations, and you know they still are allegations. I would imagine a lot of it has to be true, if not all of it, just because of with the fact that he's gone now. We don't know for certain what exactly went went on there and such, but just the severity of this. If those things are true, there absolutely was justification to make this move. I mean, Wichita State, assuming these things are true really didn't have a choice, it seems, in you know going forward with this decision. I mean, this was, I, I think, the right move for this program. They, they didn't really have a choice in this matter but to go with moving on from Greg Marshall here, it seems. Yeah, their hands were pretty much tied there. At least you would hope so. You would hope that, that their decision or their mindset and thinking the whole time was he's no longer going to be the coach because – yeah, like you said, if they are true and everything points to that, at least some of them are. Like if he punched Shaq Morris, laying a hand on a player is, yeah, it's a non-starter. You can't do that, and that's absolutely should not hit a player. And there's no room for that in coaching. He should definitely be gone if that's true. And 
it's yeah it's i don't think they have that they had to do it they've had to figure out a way to do it but it shows just how powerful he was within the athletic department that it took this long right and that he was never suspended throughout this ordeal right <laughs> and he was he was still coaching players during the investigation which to me is crazy and i know a lot of people had a problem with that that you have a guy in a position of power abused uh, being investigated for allegations of abusing players. So people he's in power of, and you're just going to let him continue to be in power of said student athletes. What other position in the world would that be? Okay. Like, you know, you, you punched a co if you would go punch a coworker, <laughs> your boss would be like, okay, you're going to stay home until we figure out what's happening. They wouldn't let you come back and be around the same people or if a teacher Hit a kid. Right. Would they be allowed to go to work the next day while the investigation was going on? Of course not. No. So that part was banana land to me. Um, and then the fact that, that he got $7 million to walk away. It's, yeah, the whole thing's just kind of crazy. How do you but think? Yeah, they had no choice. They had no choice. Right. Exactly. Uh, Chris, how do you think Greg Marshall's going to be remembered? Obviously, it was a great run with going to the Final Four back in 2013. You had that season where they went on, uh, you know, what was it, like 33, 34 wins in the regular season, number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, a lot to take away. When I think of Wichita State basketball, it starts with Greg Marshall. I mean, he is the face of that program, the history of that program, and, you know, taking them up from the facilities to uh, just where they're at, getting, you know, the Koch brothers to invest in that uh, university and that basketball program and such here. How do you think he's remembered after all this uh, with the ugly ending here, how this uh, ultimately finishes up there in, in uh, Wichita? Yeah, it's a mixed bag for sure. There's a lot of fans that are kind of grappling with that because, like, like you said, he's the all-time winning coach. He did so much for the program and the city of Wichita to where he's beloved by fans because of all the winning he did and bringing them to the final four and that undefeated regular season. Yeah, they did go 34 and Oh, and then they won the first round uh, NCAA tournament game, becoming the first program to ever start 35 and Oh in a season or to go 35 and Oh in a season. So there's yeah a lot of good and so player or fans are, yeah, they remember that they stick with that. But at the same time, they were a lot of people were fans of the program before he got there maybe, or, and so it's, this juxtaposition of, okay, we're, we're thankful for what he did, but obviously the bad that he did over a couple times or however long outweighed some of this good. And so he had to go, but thank you for helping elevate us and we'll be okay. And I've say, said this before, well, you know, Wichita State was a good program before he got there. Sure. He did elevate it into what it is now until a, a very attractive job. But, you know, they had been to one Final Four before. And they've had coaches like, you know, Mark Turge and, and other really good guys and really good players. And, the you know, the legends that have played before Marshall got there is a long list as well. But then, of course, you've got to have the guys like Fred Van Vliet, Landry Shamit, Ron Baker, Clancy Early, like dudes that have played in the NBA. And so, yeah, it's it's weird for fans. and uh, But at least now there's – a finality to it. There's no more like what ifs or like this weird right. uncertainty r r surrounding everything. They can move forward and 
kind of focus all of their energy on that. And that's what Ron Baker tweeted out the other day. He was like, hey, like what happened happened. That's in the past. What we need to do now is kind of rally around and support the guys in the program now and the coaches there now. And cause that's, you know, what Wichita State fan base is. It's a great fan base. So can't control what's happening, uh, what happens. He's not, Greg Marshall is no longer the coach. Right. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to support the program and the players that have, you know, poured their lives into this as well over however many years. Chris Lilly of Cake joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, Chris, uh, now where do you go from here? You have, what, a week till the season starts? Uh, this seems like a pretty good job of the names that could potentially go to Wichita State. You have all the facilities. You're in a good basketball conference in the American. Got all the money you could possibly need for a program like that. Wichita, cost of living is pretty affordable too here. I would imagine that you know, after they get through this season and go on with this coaching search, they should be able to find themselves a quality coach. Is that is that what you're thinking too? Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, yeah, it will be a very it is a very attractive job now, and and I think that the fact that there is no football there, it's the main like it's all eyes are on Wichita State basketball as far as Wichita State. It's the top revenue driver. Uh, as far as yeah, the athletics department and everything. And so you have all that. And now that it's in the American, and the American is a pretty good basketball conference, especially now with the Houston, Cincinnati, Memphis, to name a few, and then Wichita State's there. and Tulsa. Tulsa. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, a lot of good basketball schools. And so it is a very attractive job. And I think they will, when it's all said and done, they'll have – their choice of you know guy either a really good up and comer or a guy that's had success other places and sorry my dog's going crazy I have to keep an eye on her what's the dog's name <laughs> what's up what's the dog's name Tilly 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 Lily Tilly yeah. Lily I love it <laughs> yeah so, so that's what I've been messing around with her she's running around um but yeah it, it's a great job and they will find someone that is going to fill it and it'll, they'll be good. Um, and, but for now, yeah, season six days away, six days away. And they had all this happen and they'll be playing basketball in uh, South Dakota, (laughs) South Dakota. That was formerly the Bahamas classic or something. And it's changed right since, because they had to move it stateside for, uh, because of COVID. Right. Um, but yeah, so they're going to give the reins over to Isaac Brown, the interim head coach. And that guy deserves the shot. He's a, a hell of a coach. Uh, he's been an assistant for like 19 years. Um, he's been with Wichita at Wichita State since 2014. Players love him. He's a really good, like I said, really good coach. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of what he does when he, you know, with the chance that he's given. Yeah. And uh, he'll his name will be in the mix at the end as well. Yeah, Isaac Brown. Uh, you like you said will be in the mix. You would think, especially if they have a good year. But who are some of the other names that possibly the Shockers could look at? I know that you released that Lily Bomb a couple days ago with uh, Danny Manning uh, having some discussions of sorts for this position. I think I've heard Thad Mata's name come up as well. Um, should be some good candidates for this job when uh, it officially opens here. Yeah, it, and yeah, someone within the athletic department reached out to Danny Manning's agents just to gauge, I guess, interest or whatever. So who knows where that goes, but they reached out to him and yeah, he's looking for a job at the moment and he's 
obviously very familiar with the Sunflower State, so that would be interesting in its own right. Um, and then you have Adrian Griffin, which is a hot name. Uh, he's an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. He's a Wichita East grad. He's got the support of, yeah, Fred Van Vliet loves him. Um, so, you know, he's been his coach there in Toronto, assistant coach. And even Coach Nurse last year gave Adrian a shot to coach a game during the season. Um, I'd never really seen that to where the head coach, like, stepped down for a game to kind of prop him up. And so people would see, you know, kind of what he can do and everything. So that was interesting. Um, and yeah, fans have really liked that idea just because he's an assistant coach at the highest level on one of the best teams in the league. Um, and then, of course, you have all of these Wichita State assistants that have been terrific, um, you know, whether it be Chris Chans, hire all these other guys that have gone on and have success other places. And then there's other lists or the guys that are, you know, maybe in the Missouri Valley Conference or other places. Um, but yes, they will have yeah, their, their pick of some really good basketball coaches. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of once that gets in the full swing or if it'll maybe just kind of be spread out over the whole season. So it might right. not be a typical coaching search, you know, to where it'll be like, crazy rumors swirling, you know, for a month and then bam, Les Miles is the head coach, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Um, it might be kind of a yeah, drug out. And so I, it might be less drama, I guess. Sure. Sure. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Chris, we'll move on. Uh, NBA draft was last night. Yudoka Azubuki ends up with Utah. Big Tella. Yes. <laughs> uh, Devon Dotson, he ends up going undrafted, goes to his hometown team, the Chicago Bulls. What did you think of those uh, couple Jayhawks and uh, their new destinations? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, yeah, Doak going to ah. – oh, well, sorry. It's, <laughs> it's interesting, Doak going to Utah, uh, getting to you know learn from Rudy Gobert. That's awesome. And I think, you know, Bill Self mentioned that last night, like, hey, like, that's a great spot for him to be and to learn from because he's not going to be a guy that's going to ever have a jump hook or anything. So why would you want him learning from, you know, necessarily an offensive guy because that's just not going to be his game. So learn from the former defensive player of the year. Um, and Doak, we've seen it. Kansas fans have seen it. He's an athletic specimen. He's just so big and, and he showed at the combine that he's also athletic in his own right with his 37 inch standing vertical, which is crazy. The highest standing vertical from a center in combine history. Um, so yeah, it's good for him. And he, he went first round. So that's like perfect scenario. And it sucks for Devon Dotson to have, you know, the career he has had and then to go undrafted, but that's kind of the NBA draft. It's all potential. And you can't really, you think you have a, a pulse on when someone's getting drafted and then they don't, but he ends up with the Chicago bulls. I'm sure he, you would have told him if he got drafted there, obviously he would have been thrilled. So undrafted. Oh, well he ended up the place, you know, he'd rather be more than anywhere. So that's awesome. And hopefully he gets a shot at some point, but, but I, I love Devon Dotson's game. I think he's, oh, he yeah. could just get a little better shooting the ball. Obviously um, he'd be out. Uh, really really good yeah because he can drive the ball he's quick and but obviously when getting to the rims a little little harder in the nba just a little bit <laughs> chris Lilly of uh, cake tv joining us here on the uh, jones report this week uh 
now that they're gone, looking at this Kansas team, they start out the season coming up on Thanksgiving Day against Gonzaga, preseason number six team in the country. How you feeling about this uh, Jayhawk squad going into this uh, 2020 through 21 campaign? Pretty good. Um, obviously, they have some starters returning from last year. It'll be I, Marcus Garrett, stud. <laughs> like, of course, he's really good. Ochai Baji, amazing. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the guys down low do. And I think kind of a lot of people are looking at that. You know, David McCormick, can he step up enough to – because you're not going to fully replace Yudoka Azubuki. And we've seen that from the times, you know, when he gets hurt, that they're a different team. So kind of what can he do and what can Mitch Lightfoot do in a uh, in a kind of a platoon-type role of, you know, whoever's playing better. But between those two guys, they're going to play for the full game. Um, but, yeah, and then you have – you know, Christian Brown, is he going to be how, – how uh, what step is he going to take this year? Because, you know, he was awesome last mm-hmm. year um, for how young he is. And being an area kid, it's been – that was fun to watch. The biggest thing is can they stay healthy, not even just like injury healthy? Can they avoid getting COVID? Because in right. basketball, I think that's going to be even bigger for the sport than in college football because you have – five guys that start instead of 22 on a field. So you'll have 10 guys on a court instead of 22. So that will be the biggest tell of this season is health and being able to manage the coronavirus. And it's going to be tough. Hopefully the season plays out, you know, the length that it is and that there's no shortages or they have to cancel it again. That's worst case scenario. And so I'm okay with, you know, the NCAA moving everything March Madness to Indianapolis because if that help ensures in some way that we get March Madness, all for it. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll camp out in Indianapolis for a couple of weeks. Fine with yeah. me. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Quarantine, yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll make it happen if, uh, if we need to. But – uh, looking at this uh, Kansas team, what do you think the ceiling is? I know Baylor's picked to win the Big 12, but do you think this Kansas team can still uh, contend on a national level? Do you think they can take that step and and be one of the teams that competes for a national title, or do you think they're, they're still a step below that? What say you as far as the ceiling for this Kansas team? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I still yeah, that they have really good pieces for that national title. Um you know, March Madness is so crazy. Who knows once you get there? But I, they're still a top-tier team for sure. Um, they still have so many guys coming back from last year's team. And then a lot of freshmen that are really intriguing that I'm looking forward to watching. Um, yeah, and then, then they'll be right in the thick of things with Baylor and the Big 12. Um, kind of like it is, it's been recently to where, right. you know, it'll come down to that last week of the season. Um, but, yeah, it, the Jayhawks will be fine this year. It'll be very good. Yeah. Uh, let's move on, talk us some Big 12 football here. Uh, K-State still fighting for a spot in the Big 12 title game, potentially. KU had their game canceled this week, uh, really struggling uh, so far here in 2020. What do you make of uh, K-State and KU at uh, this point in the season here in uh, in Big 12 play? Yeah. KU game, yeah, getting Push back to December. Uh, yeah, not great, not good. That uh, they've had yeah, injuries and COVID issues messing with uh, a position group to where they couldn't meet the minimum. And they've they've looked like KU this year. I can't really <laughs> say more than that. Um, 
Jalen Daniels has shown some flashes to where he's intriguing because um, he's a heck of an athlete. But there's so many holes on that offensive line. It's not great. And it's just they've been not fun to watch, at least from like a, a watching perspective. It's been ugly football. Um, K-State, it's been up and down. Um, the catalyst is Deuce Vaughn and Briley Moore for them now. Uh, obviously, with no Skylar Thompson, it's been Will Howard thrown right into the fire, the true freshman. So he's kind of gone through the growing pains of being a young quarterback at the Division One level, Big 12 level. And he's answered the call sometimes and enough for them to win games. But And they're right in the thick of things for the Big 12 title. So if you would have told K-State fans you're going to lose Skylar Thompson and still kind of have a chance to play in that title game, I they would all say, okay, yeah, we don't care what's, you know, happening. You know, if we lose to whoever, we'll to Oklahoma State, you know, in heartbreaking fashion, we'll take those L's if somehow we're still in the hunt. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, the Iowa State game, huge for that, obviously, because Iowa State's at the top right now. Um, and, yeah, at K-State, their defense is so solid most, most weeks that they're going to be – that's going to give them a chance to win. And Chris Kleiman continues to be an awesome head coach from everything that we've seen in the one and a half, one and three quarter seasons that he's been there. He has to be one of the best hires from that two years ago, because he's been nothing but tremendous for the program and kind of helping them transition from the Bill Snyder era to now Kleiman. And right. They've been very good this year. Yeah. No, they certainly at have. At times. But also they've been very bad, so it's a weird <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean hopefully if if Briley Moore is healthy to play on Saturday, that changes everything for K State. Well, and uh you talk about just that inconsistency with K State. Um you know, a win this week would be huge against Iowa State and it keeps the Big Twelve title hopes alive. A loss, all of a sudden you're back to five hundred again. Um, yeah, I mean this. <laughs> that's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, right. Th- this week's game kind of really determines how the direction of the rest of this season, I think, goes for K State here, uh, depending on what happens in uh, in Farmageddon here against Iowa State. Uh, with that being said, of this Big Twelve race, we mentioned with K State being one of the teams up there. Who do you think is is the favorite right now? Who's you know it's a big week for that Big Twelve title hunt with Be- with Bedlam down in Oklahoma as well. What what are you thinking about where things stand right now? Do you think the Cats uh, can, can hang with some of those top teams? Who who do you, do you think they have to go through as far as uh, to to get to this Big Twelve title game right now? Who's the team to beat? Yeah, as far as their schedule goes, yeah, right now it's they've played Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, gone one and one against them. Um, I they I think they have yeah Iowa State, Texas left on the schedule, so it's going to be yeah like they have to beat Iowa State unless to have like controlled their destiny somehow um and that'll be yeah that's gonna be a tough game um iowa state's very good but i still think the big 12 goes through oklahoma state at this point i we'll see okay. what happens in bedlam so oklahoma states they're a lot stronger in a lot of areas than most of the other big 12 teams um yeah yeah, yeah. iowa state's been good but yeah i don't know they haven't shown us on a consistent basis i guess outside of this year that they can do it you know there's always some heartbreak for them um but yeah it's, uh, at this point i would go with oklahoma state texas is not back <laughs> but despite what they'll tell you they're not back oklahoma they've had 
surprisingly, their issues this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with the Cowboys. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, K-State, uh, I mean, right in the thick of things. If yes. they win this weekend, it's a very winnable game. And K-State has been in every game. Mm-hmm. And if they somehow win that, it's like, hey. Cats could be playing in Arlington, which is crazy. They could. Uh, that's one of my favorite f- phrases is uh, Texas is not back. So uh, that's <laughs> not, always not back. a pleasure to hear, especially from a guy from Texas like yourself there, Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last thing before we let you run, I, I do want to talk about the Chiefs. They are uh, coming off this bye week, taking on the Raiders. Normally, the Raiders as of late, I, I don't think this would be that huge of a deal, but when you look at that, it was their only loss of the season, a bye week, Sunday night football and all that. This is the most interesting Raiders game in quite some time. I, I think we're going to see quite a, quite the motivated Chiefs team on Sunday night. What say you? I would agree. And so that's why I would go with that. The game's probably not going to be that great. Because I think when the, when the Chiefs turned on, they blitz teams, not even necessarily in a defensive way. They just crush them they outplay them in every facet and i mean look at the ravens game it, that was a hyped up game going into it and the ravens were not even there not even on the same playing field and so i think that's kind of what we're going to see on sunday uh with the raiders but yeah the raiders I mean, they're kind of playing like how they should have been playing for the last couple of years there they have so much talent on the offensive side of the ball as well um and they have guys and Coach Gruden kind of he's figuring it out. Uh, things aren't a disaster like everyone I thought that maybe it would be or trending towards. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, more of an anomaly in their first loss than a trend of like, oh, the Raiders is there, are they really going to be a rival again necessarily? Um, the Chiefs still dominate and own the AFC West, so. It runs through them, and it will until they don't win like ninety percent of their divisional games. I feel like right. when they lose a di- when they lose a divisional game, it's like oh wow they lost. <laughs> opposed to like you just assume they're going to win every game, which is crazy that that's how we think now with the Chiefs that like you expect them to win every game. And in foot in the NFL, that's a very difficult thing to do to win every game or to you know go into every game with the expectation of winning. Well, that's what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have done. And it's a treat. It's a treat to watch every week. And I know Chiefs fans are happy that they they have Patrick Mahomes and he's on pace to get his second MVP of his young career, which is amazing. It's uh, You run out of words to describe Patrick Mahomes because he's just everything you can ever want from a quarterback and more, especially yeah. with, when you pair him with Andy Reid's brilliant mind. Oh, no question about it. And – you look at this Chiefs team. You're sitting at eight and one. They've played over half their games of the regular season. Chris, I feel like we still haven't seen the best of the Chiefs yet. That they're holding something back here. I know that the Steelers are you know nine and zero and have that you know the best record in the NFL right now. But I have seen, and this is not a diss on Pittsburgh, but I have seen nothing yet that would indicate that the, the Chiefs still aren't the team to beat in the AFC and the NFL right now. is Are you thinking along the same lines here? The Chiefs still, do you think, the best team in the league right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. And with Steelers, I mean, they're a weird team to where they kind of play like right even with the competition all of the time, which isn't necessarily a 
bad thing, at least when you're playing good teams, but they'll also play down the things we saw at the Cowboy game. I mean, they barely beat the Cowboys that are horrendous this year. Um, yeah, I feel like every Steelers game is fairly like, you know, within one possession, most of them at least. Um, and the Chiefs, it's kind of the opposite. They, they'll win by multiple possessions each game, multiple scores. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the Chiefs, I still think, are the team to beat in the AFC, whether or not they get that first round by, which it's very important this year since there's only one. But I think they're fine, I think, regardless. And who knows, there's still a lot of football to play to where the Steelers can trip up. But I don't see the Chiefs necessarily losing a game unless something crazy happens. I do love the Chargers, though. Herbert is awesome. <laughs> He's, yeah, I think they're going to be a problem in the future for the Chiefs. But right now, yeah, the Chiefs still got it. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there, too. I think the Chiefs are still the best team right now. And what about any concerns you have about this team? Uh, any major concerns of sorts? I mean, even it seems like their weakest position, probably the cornerback spot, they got some help there this week, too, with uh, the, the signing yeah, they made uh, you know, with, there as well. I mean, it, it, I, I don't see an overwhelming – huge issue with this team uh is that what you're looking at too chris yeah absolutely i do not i mean yeah maybe the offensive line but they've played good enough to where i'm not super worried about it and patrick Mahomes is still young enough and mobile enough to where he can kind of cover up those mistakes a lot um running back positions solid obviously yeah what the receiver group tight end group i mean before this year and at the end of last year you'd look at the defense and be like hey the defense is trash that's the problem but i mean they're not really anymore <laughs> if you need to stop when you need to stop like i'm confident the chiefs can get a stop it's because the guys excuse me like chris jones tyron matthew and everyone else that yeah they're solid enough on defense to where they really don't have a huge hole at least that's the way i see it um and yeah the cornerbacks have stepped up and that's I think that they will continue to get better. Um, but I don't see a glaring hole to where they need to add, whether it be a free agent signing or a trade or anything. I think you kind of got the guys that you have and you roll with it. Right. It's, it's, it's a hell of a team. Yeah. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, where can people see all the great work and, and follow you, man, uh, there in uh, Wichita? Yeah, if you're in the area in Cakeland, uh, Channel 10, Cake six and ten every night and then uh twitter crystal Lee cake instagram chris lily and then uh, facebook crystal Lee cake as well awesome work chris appreciate the time thanks for joining us man we covered so many different things you got to follow yeah, this guy <laughs> it, it was great and uh we got to have you back on more often thanks for joining us man appreciate the time yeah of course yeah thanks for having me it is time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. Five college, five NFL games against the spread. And first off, let's bring in from O'Connor Advisory Group, it is Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo. Coach, what's going on this week at O'Connor Advisory Group? Well, we've been busy. We got through today, and so now we are slowing down for Thanksgiving. We'll have a whole lot going on. But um, November is Long-Term Care Awareness Month. And so I want to implore anybody, if you're a person who's like my age in their late 40s, and maybe you are, you're caring for children, but then you're also having to take care of older adults, like adult parents or aunts or uncles or grandparents, 
hey, we want to be help. We want to help you with that. There's some ways we can help you. We got some free resources we can get for you and be a part of that help in that community with you. Give us a shout and uh, let us get involved and help. TJ Reeves is back with us in last place at 44-52-4. TJ, what are you going to do differently this week? <laughs> uh, I love the intro, and I am shamed. The word that you should have used is I am shamed into being back on the podcast uh, because I need to be. Because apparently uh, I am figuratively and literally mailing in the picks to you, and I've got to be better this week. So I'm, I'm here in person to be egregious, to be horrible, to be horrendous with these picks that you should not listen to. Although Coach Bo was saying just before you clicked record, he's been struggling in college football. Are we going to get the hashtag fade Coach Bo going for your college picks is what I want to know. Hey, go for it. Get it out there. Fade Coach Bo's college picks. <laughs> That's a long hashtag. That is. I don't know if I can keep up with we that. can find a hey, Tyler's smart. He'll figure out some way to shorten that sucker up. Yeah. Uh, fade Bo, maybe. We can make that work. You did go three and two last week in, in college picks, Bo, so not too bad. A little refresher on the standings. Yours yeah, truly hey, in so, first place at hey, uh, 54, 42, and four. Thomas Bridges, uh, you're right behind me, one game back at 53, 43, and four. And then uh, we mentioned uh, Coach Bo. He's at 47, 49, and four. And then TJ at 44, 52, and four. So let's see if Ooh. we can get some better luck. That's the this second week. time already in the conversation you've mentioned how bad <laughs> I am. Uh, and you know what? And I know you want to get to the games. You know what this demonstrates? Because again, you're leading and you're what? About 10 games above 500, Tyler. You 12. and Thomas, right? Right around there? I'm 12. Thomas 12 is 11. Games. Okay. 11. So you know why they have those multi-billion dollar facilities out in the desert, out in Vegas? Is because that's the best anybody ever does, trying to pick these games against the spread. And most of the time, they're like Coach Bo and me trying to pick them. And all we do is make them more lavish and more plush with how they build those billion dollar uh, facilities and sports books and pools and all those things that you're seeing from the hotels and the casinos out in Vegas. Because nobody knows how to pick this at, a, at better than about a 50% clip. Uh, and you've seen that for years, DJ. You could take my college picks. Those massive, massive casinos <laughs> that I lose money in based upon winners. Yeah. You, you could have taken my college picks last week and had a nice parlay, too. So uh, we'll see. But that just means I'm going to do bad this week based on uh, that accord. Uh, but Thomas did the same, too. He went 5 0 in college. living in the past. We got to stop living in the past. I'm only talking about the future on this version of the show. All right, future. Let's go forward to the future. We go number nine, Indiana, taking on number three, Ohio State. The Buckeyes, a twenty and a half point favorite. TJ, we'll start with you. Is that too many points for the Buckeyes? You're getting biblical on me. The last shall be first, so I get to go first on this game. Uh, Indiana's getting a lot of points, but it, it, something says to me here, this is wrong place, wrong time at Ohio State, who's off an off week. I love the Indiana story. They have not been 4-0 and since prior to Tyler being on the planet. Did Coach Bo, I don't know how old Bridges is, did Coach Bo ever own any parachute pants? Uh, Madonna was on the radio, parachute pants, and Indiana was 4-0 and in the Big Ten in 1987. That's the last time they were 4-0 and in the Big Ten. Uh, I don't think they're going to be 5-0. and I think Ohio State's going to put it on them. So I think that line is a, right about where it needs to be, guys. All right, Bo, let's go with you. Who do you got here? Okay, first off, I had parachute pants, a crush on Madonna. <laughs> uh, in 1987, I was 12 years old. 1987 is the year I hit my first Little League home run. 
So big ups there. Um, 19, wait, wait, 1987. I began driving uh, because that was the first year that we that I had the automobile. Gas was about 80 cents a gallon the first year that yeah. I was driving in 1987. Oh. 80, mm-hmm. 80, not a dollar 80, not 280. <laughs> And yes, the Indiana Hoosiers were 4-0 in the Big Ten. That's the last time. Go ahead, Coach Bo. Didn't interrupt. I'm with you here. Um, All right. The only thing I'm scared of is the number. Um, I agree 100% with TJ, which scares the shit out of me, honestly. Um, (laughs) I agree with them. Uh, We don't know if they're real or not. We don't know if anyone's real in college football this season. Um, The only team I know that's for real in college football is Alabama. So, I'm going to go ahead and take Ohio State. This is the one I was leaning on. I didn't have know exactly where I wanted to go. But I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to lay the points. I'm only going to be really scared if Tyler and Thomas go against me. <laughs> I'm going Ohio State here myself. Uh, Ohio State's for real. They're legit. I, I love Justin Fields just as much as I do Trevor Lawrence, to be honest with you. I'll go Ohio State at 20 and a half here. Uh, but no disrespect to Indiana. I, I like what they've done this year, and they've certainly made a statement. Tom, who you got here? Yeah, you know, if it was any higher, I, I think it's right where it needs to be. Honestly, I'll agree with all of you. And we'll all agree on this one uh, until, you know, Ohio State shows me different or somehow we go back to 87, uh, five years, you know, before I was born. <laughs> then, yeah, I mean, you know, I've never seen an Indiana team 4 0. Uh, you know, it's, and I, I don't think I'm going to be able to see an Indiana team that goes 5 0. And I don't think I see an Indiana team that covers the 20 and a half point spread either. All right. One more thing, because I know you want to move on quickly to other games. The Indiana quarterback is a Tampa kid. You and Coach Bo do a lot of high school football in the area yeah. uh, in and around Kansas and stuff. Michael Penix is a former high school star in the Tampa Bay area. They got him to come to Indiana, big left-handed quarterback. I think he's just going to have a rough day against Ohio State. We'll see what happens Saturday, guys. So that means that he's going to struggle in the cold weather there in Ohio after uh, being pampered in Tampa all those years. Uh, <laughs> that's the way I take that. Bedlam. Number 14, Oklahoma State taking on number 18, Oklahoma. The Sooners are a seven-point favorite. Tom, we'll start with you this time. Your pokes, I I think you just have to take them, right, as a seven-point underdog against OU here. Tell me who you like in this one. You know, I unfortunately like OU in this one. I'm not too confident in Oklahoma State's offensive line, and would not be shocked if it's Shane Ellingworth getting the start. Um, I, you know, I think everyone's convinced that it's going to be Spencer Sanders. I'm not so convinced. Um, Colby Harville Pill should be back, which will be good. This game is going to be one on defense if the Pokes can win it. Um, I, I don't know what happened in the offense. Tylen Wallace should be back as well. Uh, it was pretty evident two weeks ago that Spencer Sanders' security blanket is Tylen Wallace. Uh, Sooners get what's it? Is it Ronnie Perkins? Yes. What's his name? Correct. Yes. Right. They get him back. That should be big for OU. Unfortunately, um, I thought this line started off at ten, and I would be more apt to take um, Oklahoma State if it was ten, but it is seven. I'm open for a big upset. Go Pokes, ride them Cowboys, beat OU. I hope I'm wrong, 
but I have to pick OU here. Maybe a little reverse psychology on my own self. No, no, no. Hold on a second here. Are we allowing this? Are we going to allow him to take Oklahoma here? I think if if no, Bo, you're just scared. I'm TJ and I. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. If everybody, this if week. Bo, TJ, and I all agree that you have to take OSU, then I think you had to take OSU. No. Do we all agree? No. Then you have to. Oh, you have to put. OSU. You have to put. Tyler's so Tyler is such, and he he lies. He's a liar. No, no, no. This. He is such a big OU fan. No, I'm He's not. He's the biggest gooner. No, He's I'm the not. Biggest secret gooner in America. No, I, I think that we have to make you take OSU. That's just how it works. So I'm no, sorry. That's no, a pick for OSU. No, if I got to pick the games every week and wanted you to lose, I would pick Kansas and make you take <laughs> Kansas every single week, and you would go 0 and 10. Hey, you know what? This, this reminds me of the conversation we had after this last segment last week. <laughs> this reminds me of what Thanksgiving turns into long about 5 o'clock in the afternoon at most people's house. So, Once the, yeah. uh, the yes. food has been consumed, everybody just starts By arguing. 5 p.m. on Saturday, I'm going to be so liquored up, Jones. <laughs> we're going to have to have a... We're going to have to have another fight about BYU not being as good as their record. Hey, BYU is on a roll right now. So, Tom's got OSU. Um, I'm going OU with... And- you're not changing my damn pick. You, you're scared. I'm no, this no, close no, to you. no, no, no. You're, you're taking OSU. That's just how it's going to be. I'm That's going to take Oklahoma here. Oklahoma's played a lot better than Oklahoma State is right now. If this game was three weeks ago, I would have taken Oklahoma State easily here. But these two teams have changed a lot. I'll go with uh, Spencer Rattler and the Sooners here. Bo, who you got here? Who you? Boomer Sooner. All right, simple enough. Uh, TJ, who you got? One coach is. Two and fourteen against his rival. I'll let you figure out who it is. <laughs> oh, simple Gundy. enough. Yeah. All right. So we're all Jimmy on Oklahoma at home. So we're all on the Sooners there. Uh, number ten, Wisconsin taking on number nineteen, Northwestern. Wisconsin, a seven and a half point favorite on the road. Um, I got to tell you, Wisconsin right now. I, I love Graham Mertz. This true fresh, this freshman redshirt quarterback has been unbelievable. He's a Kansas high school kid, played at Bill, Blue Valley in Overland Park. Might be my favorite young quarterback in the entire country now. If I could buy stock in any young college football player right now, it'd be Graham Mertz. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Seven and a half point favorite on the road. Give me Wisconsin to uh, take care of business. Bo, who you got in this one? Well, Wisconsin as well. Same reason, like the QB. Um, Northwestern, I wanted to pick Northwestern last week against Purdue. I should have. But I don't believe in Northwestern. And I just – better athletes are on one side. The smarter kids are on one side of the field, but the better athletes are on the other. <laughs> and if we learned anything from the U back in the day, the better athletes are going to win. So, give me Wisconsin. All right. Tom, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to have to go to Wisconsin here too. I, I don't think Northwestern's a bad team. I do think West – or not West Virginia – uh, at this point, I don't know if West Virginia could beat Northwestern, but uh, Wisconsin's the better team. I think they cover by – I think they win by at least 10. Uh, this I'm pretty confident in this one. Okay. Uh, TJ, we're going to go four for four. You like Wisconsin there too? Just what we thought on the Big Ten resumption that Indiana uh, and Northwestern would be 4-0 and and that Penn State would be 0-4 and Michigan would be 1-3. and I am forbidden – for the rest maybe of the, of the existence of Jim Harbaugh, however long it's going to be, 
being the Michigan coach from ever taking them again because I took them last week on my Three Dog Thursday podcast and they absolutely no-showed, if not quit. I can't go against Wisconsin. I'm going I'm going Wisconsin here over Northwestern. All right. So we all like Wisconsin. Uh, Iowa State taking on K-State. The Cyclones are an 11-point favorite. Bo, you're, you're the K-State alum among us here. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Is that too many points for Iowa State as 11-point favorite uh, at home against K-State here? That's exactly what I think. I think that's too many points. Um, I'll, I think K-State's going to lose this game. I think Iowa State's going to win. I got this sort of in the 6-8 to eight area. 11's too many. Get the Cats plus 11. I like the Cats' defense, uh, but I don't think that they have the offense to hang with Brock Purdy and company. Uh, I'll go with uh, K-State to win this, to, uh, to cover, but Iowa State to uh, win. 11 points too much. I'm with you there. Uh, TJ, who you got here between uh, K-State and Iowa State? Iowa State, 11-point favorite. I will tell you again to pump the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Our senior handicapper, Brian Edwards, loved one college game the most and that was Kansas State in this matchup with Iowa State getting all of these points. Here again, it's kind of like the Gundy thing with Oklahoma. One team in this series is 11-1 and one in the last 12 head-to-head meetings. I'll let you I'll figure wait. out who it is. K-State. Okay. All right, Tom, who you got? I think it's too many points for Iowa State as well. I do think they could win this game. Um, bias, playing, my, playing into my bias, if uh, playing a little logic here, if Oklahoma State does fall to OU like we've all picked, um, you know, that would need some help from K-State to go ahead and beat Iowa State. Iowa State's not the best in November either. Uh, they did barely had to, you know, had to pull a pretty good comeback out of their ass against Baylor. Uh, K-State's not Baylor. I think Iowa State can still win this game, but it's it's too many points. I, K-State definitely covers this game, in my opinion. Okay, so there you have it. We all like K-State there. So far, a clean sweep uh, at this point. One more college game. Number 20, USC taking on Utah. USC, a three-point favorite. TJ, we'll start with you this time. USC, so far this season, undefeated, but they've won some pretty close nail-biting games. Utah, this is their first game of 2020. Yeah, and, and USC having to score in the final two minutes of both the wins over the two Arizona schools. Uh, this is one of those where you look at it, they've played twice. Like you mentioned, Utah hasn't played because of COVID-19 the first two weeks of the Pac-12. How many of the players are still affected and can play? We don't know that answer at the time that we're taping. I can't take the Utes against a team that's already played twice till I know more about that. Give me USC and lay those points on the road. All right, uh, Bo, who do you got here? This is my, I'm going to dedicate this to a friend of mine. He'll know when he hears this. This is my money cat in the kittens lock of the week. (laughs) USC minus three. I like it. So backstory is one of my good friends, Chris Yule, who's passed a few years ago, went to use a USC grad, good friend. And back in the day, he had one of those police athletic league teams and they were called Money Cat and the Kittens. So I'm dedicating this pick to him, USC, on Trojans. I love it. That almost makes me want to pick USC too. But I'm going to go with Utah here. I think USC has been winning by too close of margins. I think they could still win and not cover that three-point margin. I'll go uh, Utah 
as the underdog here. Tom, who do you like? Last college game here. You know, I don't know about the Utes. We haven't seen them play. Uh, you know, USC is snuck by. This is one of the harder ones to pick for me just because USC has been so sus. Uh, but I will roll with USC here to, to cover and, and get this game over the Utes. All right. Not confident in it, though. No, not at all. Uh, let's move on to the NFL. Thursday night football. The Cardinals taking on the Seahawks. Seattle a three-point favorite. Arizona won the first time around. Seattle on a bit of a slump right now. Arizona coming off that big-time win against Buffalo last week. Bo, let's start with you this time. What are you thinking about this uh, NFC West showdown? Hey, I'm all about momentum and picking this pick and this pick. Um, not just because it was a Hail Mary. It gives them that momentum. The Seahawks have not played well for three weeks. And their defense is horrible. I can't stop a nosebleed. I'm taking the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals outright. Uh, that's I me mean, a little bit of a, a little whisper there, but give me the Cardinals in this one. I would never pick against Seattle at home under normal circumstances, but 2020 is a whole different animal here. Arizona's playing much better than Seattle is right now. I'm with you, Bo. I'm riding the momentum. I'll go with uh, Arizona to not only cover as an underdog, but to win outright. TJ, who you got here? Revenge game for the Seahawks after they lost a game they should have won on Sunday night football three weeks ago and shoulda, coulda, woulda. Arizona had no business winning that game last week with Buffalo, giving up the touchdown in the final 30 seconds. But then the Hale Murray, uh, which you can't say enough about the throw. Yes, it's a great leaping catch by DeAndre Hopkins, but to roll to his left and not throw the ball out of the back of the end zone or throw the ball out of bounds, put it where he could make a play on it was a great throw. I think the magic runs out, though, here on the road. Revenge for the Seahawks. Wilson takes better care of the ball. Seattle wins again. All right. So there we have it. Uh, Tom, who you got here? Last one. You know, this is this is a tough one here for me. And just because the Cardinals, how they've played and how gritty they've been, and, and the Seahawks, you know, Russell Wilson's been turning it over. Um, I hate to say that I agree with TJ. <laughs> uh, I know we won't agree on another game when we pick here in just a second, but, um, you know, we're enemies this week, you know, kind of like Bo and him were not too long ago. Um, but I got to go Seahawks, too. I thought he was going to say – I really thought TJ was going to say a game they shouldn't have lost on Sunday night football this past Sunday, and we, that was those were fighting words uh, because Jalen Ramsey has is, is been that guy. But – I will have to take the Seahawks as well. Um, they shouldn't have lost to the Cardinals the first time around. This division's uh, uh, one of those divisions where everyone kind of splits games, it seems like. And I think the Seahawks get their fair share of the division uh, matchup between the Cardinals this week. All right. So uh, I like Arizona here, and we uh, we got two for Arizona, two for Seattle. Chiefs taking on the Raiders. The Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. Let me tell you about this game, boys. I know that the Chiefs lost the first time around, and it's their only loss of 2020, but coming off a of bye week, I think this team's going to be extra motivated for this one. I like the Chiefs to have a statement win there in their first game in Las Vegas. They even have a Chiefs jersey buried at midfield due to a, a Chiefs fan construction worker. I think they deliver a knockout blow uh, to uh, the Raiders here. I like the Chiefs to win by at least 10 
maybe even 14. Uh, I, I think they cover that seven. I'll go with them to bounce back and get things done here. Patrick Mahomes is going to go off and have himself quite a day. So I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs with uh, the win off the bye week. TJ, let's go to you next. Who do you like here between the Chiefs and Raiders? Once again, revenge in the division matchup off the bye week, like you mentioned. Andy Reid's record 18 and three at Philly and with the Chiefs off the bye week. He always seems to scheme it up. Uh, I think about half the Raiders are on the COVID list midweek here. How many of them can play in the game? Too much uncertainty there. I think Kansas City rolls. Music to your ears there, Tyler Jones. Kansas City rolls. I like it. I like it. Tom, who you got here? Yeah, I, I, this is almost a lock for me. There's no Kansas City losing game. Uh, I, I might put some money back in Bovada and and just bet the money line just way up, um, just because there's there's no way the Chiefs lose this game. However, uh, as well, I I agree with both of you. I think they're just going to walk out there, kick that ass. Travis Kelsey's been talking that talk this week. Um, they're swaggy coming into Vegas. All right. Uh, Bo, you're going to go for four for four here with the Chiefs? No, I'm not. Ooh. Right, so the Andy Reid thing off the bye week is real. The Chiefs are going to win the game. This is going to be a close game. Is there any team that's as under the radar good? Is this Oakland? Is this, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders team? The Dolphins? No, this Raiders team is better than the Dolphins. <laughs> This Raiders team is a good team. They're a really good football team. I don't see them winning this game. I think that Andy Reid, TJ, it's a great point. Andy Reid off the bye does amazing things. But this is not a blowout. This is a three, four-point game. Both the Raiders and the points. Okay. All right. Uh, Rams and Bucks. TJ, we'll start with you this time. The uh, Bucks are three-point favorite. Tell me why your guys <laughs> are going to take care of business there in Tampa. As you properly introduced me, I'm in the bag for the Bucks and the Buccaneer Radio Network. They haven't been great in prime time. They did they did eke out the Monday night win over the Giants. Uh, the Rams got a big win over Seattle. Uh, the Bucks actually practicing at night, Thursday night and Friday night, to change their routine and their rhythm to be ready to go for Monday night. Will that work? What, what do you expect me to say here on the Jones <laughs> Report that I'm going to take the Rams? I'm taking the Bucks on Monday Night Football. All right, Tom. Now your chance. Uh, tell us why the Rams will win this game. You know, Darius Williams for the Rams has been a ball hawk. Uh, Jalen Ramsey shut down DK Metcalf. Uh, the defense, Jones, we talked about this. Rams defense is as advertised. Uh, you know, they're as long as they don't get off to a super slow start. Um, I I think this is uh, a. I think this could be. I honestly think this could be go either way, but um, I will take the Rams. Just kind of like TJ's. Well, I mean, what do you what, what do you expect me to say on the Jones report? <laughs> well, I'm taking the Rams. You already uh, took. They go out and just, you already took Oklahoma over Oklahoma what? State, so I I don't know. You know, I mean, you're, you're... No, I'm you know. The Rams, I have a lot more confidence in Jared Goff than I do Spencer Sanders. I can tell you that much. Okay. Uh, and, and that's not saying a whole, whole lot because Goff is, like you said earlier, glorified game manager. But the Rams' defense is for real. Um, I think this is a three-point ball game. I hope it doesn't come down to our kicker having to kick in a game winner. I <laughs> hope it's more on Brady gets picked. 
trying to drive down the field to set up a field goal or for a tie or to get the touchdown to win. Um, but like I said, who do you, I mean, I got to go with the Rams. Okay. All right. So it's up to Bo and I to, to split this uh, right now. Go ahead, Tyler. I'm going to go, go with ahead, the, I'm going to go with the Bucks. Uh, Bucks is a three point favorite. I'll, I'll go with TJ's team here. Um, I think they're the more talented football team. They're still looking for that marquee win of sorts of 2020. Uh, I have not been good about picking the Bucks against the spread this year, but I'll go with them this time here to take care of business. But that's not a slide on the Rams. I think they're a fantastic football team here too. I'll just give it to the Bucks this time as a three-point uh, favorite to take care of business. Bo, who you got? Okay, so – I'm with Thomas, not just because I like Thomas, but I've been saying all year long I like the Rams. I said the Rams are going to win the West. Guys, the Rams are going to win the West. They're going to win this game, too. The Rams are going to win this game. They're going to beat the Bucs. Old Man River is not going to get it done at quarterback. He couldn't get it done the last couple of weeks. They think he's done. All right? So unless he's going to come up with five broken ribs like my old man, River, I'm not going to worry about the Bucs. So give me the Rams. And you you did see the, the Carolina game where he dropped 300 and three more touchdowns on Carolina just a yeah, few days ago. Right <laughs> tell me, try to beat the Saints, okay? All right, all right, real quick. First down. That will be that will be the gold at least to start with on Monday night. I hear you. All right, they won't be that ugly. But I do like the Rams. Two more, real quick. Titans, Ravens, Ravens, six and a half point favorite. Um, guys, I like the Titans to not only cover. I think they win this game outright. I like what I saw. In that playoff game a year ago, the run game with Derrick Henry and company, I know they weren't great last week against the Colts, but there's something I like about this Titans team with the physical football that they play and open up the play action for Ryan Tannehill. Give me the Titans as a six-and-a-half-point underdog. TJ, who you got here? I know you got to run quickly. Uh, the the Titans are not the same team right now. It's, it's strange. Uh, how 2020 has unfolded, but then again, so aren't the Ravens. The, the Ravens have struggled too, and New England put it on them. I don't know what to think, but this is the Ravens at home. I think they will win, and they will they will cover uh, in this one. I think Lamar Jackson gets to, gets it together in this game and gets a little revenge for how bad he was in the playoff game a year ago against Tennessee. All right, uh, Tom, who do you got here, real quick? Yeah, I got to go with the Ravens too. You got to think they'll bounce back. Uh, I think it could be close, though. I'm not confident in this one. Okay. How about you, Bo? I got the Titans as well. Um, this thing that um, Lamar Jackson just said this past week of the opposing defenses know the play call really, really worries me. It worries me with a young quarterback, which means he can't check out of stuff right now. So I'm taking the Titans. I, I don't know who either of these two teams are right now. But I like the Titans. I think they're better well-coached, too. So, give me the Titans. I don't think either one of these teams know who they are right now, either. Um, last one for you. The Packers taking on the Colts. Indy, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, I'm going to steal your line here. The wrong team's favorite. How are the Packers not the favorite in this one? It's going to say the same thing. Wrong <laughs> team favorite. What happens this season when you've told me that I can take Aaron Rodgers and the points? What have I picked? Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the points every time. Aaron Rodgers and the points. That's just a no-brainer. <laughs> Give me Aaron Rodgers and the points. Tom, same thing? Yeah, yeah. The, you know how high I am on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, wrong team favorite. I don't, I don't get it either. TJ, does this make any sense? 
I'm going three for three here that Green Bay would be my road doggy. Uh, Devontae Adams makes all the difference in the world uh, for for Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I know, and Indianapolis has been very good uh, so far this season, but Baltimore a couple of weeks ago came into Indy and beat them straight up. And uh, and we're calling out Lamar Jackson's, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, and the Ravens were much better in that game, even though the Colt defense was calling out their plays uh, while they were running them. It doesn't matter if they know the Packer plays or not. I think Green Bay wins the game, so I will take them. All right. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for the time as always. TJ, what's on the uh, Three Dog Thursday podcast this week? Lots and lots of underdogs. We're kicking around the Drew Brees situation as well. i got a guest named Victor Howell from New Orleans, Cox Sports TV. The handicapper Brian Edwards has been on a roll in the NFL with his underdogs. Looking forward to another weekend, guys. We don't have any hockey. We don't have any basketball right now. All we got is football, 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 football. So thanks for the plug on Three Dog Thursday. Absolutely. TJ Reeves joining us. Uh, and, uh, Bo, where can people reach out to you at O'Connor Advisory Group? And you can hit us up right now at uh, 785-856-0720 or on Facebook, O'Connor Advisory Group. And uh, give us a shout. We want to help you. We want to be your partner. Couple more things before we get out of here today. Let's talk about the NBA offseason. And first off, the NBA draft took place last night. Tom, the number one pick, Minnesota goes with Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. And what was kind of odd about this was that we had no idea who the number one pick was going to be for certain. Usually, the way with social media works and everything now, we generally have an idea of who that pick was going to be. In Zion's case, last year we knew before even the draft lottery that he was going to be the number one pick. Anthony Edwards uh, you know, came down between him, LaMelo Bull, and James Wiseman. I think Patrick Williams' name even came up as well. But ultimately, Minnesota goes with Edwards with that number one pick, the shooting guard out of Georgia. Terrific talent. Uh, you know, a powerful guard, you know, elite length, explosiveness, um, you know, all the stats and the, you know, the scouting reports just show that Anthony Edwards is something special out of Georgia. I have a little background story for you, Tom. Uh, I heard this from a very good source that Tom Crean was not happy with Anthony Edwards at his time with Georgia. Um, he felt that he had underperformed, that he wasn't leading his team. Um, he actually chewed out, this is from a source of mine, he chewed out Anthony Edwards in front of everybody on a Southwest flight from Hawaii back to Georgia um, on their way back from the Maui Invitational last year. But, you know, that was a Georgia team that was weak around him. There wasn't really much he could do there. I don't think... Think of that, of what happened with Georgia's lack of success as being really much of an issue for him when he goes to the NBA. I mean, that happens that you have star players that play on bad teams. I don't have a big problem with that of of uh, of his lack of success, rather, there in Georgia. Jones there at the beginning, you sounded uh, a little bit like Mel Kiper Jr., like you had a, a little impression going on. Great body explosiveness. Can run the 40 in 2.5 seconds. We got Anthony Edwards. You know, it's obviously not football, but it's basketball. I think Anthony Edwards will do just fine. I'm not too worried either about, you know, you know, lack of Georgia's success. Um, and, you know, I'm, these players, it's like, a, it, it's like a science. 
Um, so, I mean, they know how good this kid can be. And uh, Jones, I did see one interesting fact about Anthony Edwards and just the number one overall pick itself. The last like four out of nine um, number one draft picks um, have had either Anthony or Edwards somewhere in their name. Really? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think. Let's just take a look. Um, last 10 number one picks NBA. Be able to tell you who it is. Um, and I can't think. Someone tweeted this earlier, and I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, so, obviously, this year, Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson, DeAndre Ayton, Mark, um, Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wayne-Aidens, Anthony Bennett, Anthony Davis. Um, there's, I feel like there was somebody else that they mentioned in there that maybe wasn't, but um, Anthony Davis, Anthony Bennett, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. Um, there was another Edwards in there somewhere, and I don't know where it's at, but it was an interesting tweet, needless to say. So, you know, uh, I feel like there's a lot of Anthony's, you know, famous Anthony's in the NBA. Um, Carmelo Anthony, um, but book it if there is uh Anthony Edwards or Davis in there that probably getting a decent player, yeah. Uh, number two, the Warriors take James Weisman uh, out of Memphis. Uh, Weisman only played a portion of the season last year and dealt with some eligibility issues of sorts of him taking some money. Uh, there, but nonetheless, he joins a Golden State team that we know loves to you know shoot three pointers and score a lot of points. Tom, this move uh, for Wiseman here, um, I-, I thought that they were going to lean towards going with a guard here, that they were going to go with more of a system player. Um, this with James Wiseman here kind of goes against the grain of what we've seen from Warriors basketball. Here the uh, last uh, several years there. I thought that there was also a good chance the Warriors could trade out of this pick and go get a veteran player too. You know, and there was talk of them trading out of the second pick. And, um, you know, with yesterday's news of, of Clay Thompson going down injured, um, potentially for this, another season, I'd feel terrible for him. Um, but, you know, I think they were kind of saying, hey, let's get the best player available or – you know, let's let's just go ahead and, and, you know, we haven't been – why not get number two for a while again, assuming that they're back in business this year. Um, and James Wiseman, you know, as a Spurs fan, I wanted them to trade LaMarcus Aldridge to, to the Warriors and and get the second pick because the Ram- – or not the Rams, I'm all over the place. Uh, the Spurs needed a um, – and, you know, take – James Wiseman, I thought, would have been the perfect fit um, for the Spurs. And, you know, Steve Kurtz out otherwise, and maybe he's the perfect fit for the Warriors, especially now that Clayton went down. And, you know, they're maybe having to, I don't know, play another way is the right way to put it, but uh, figure some different things out. And, you know, if he doesn't fit in the style of play, I'm sure someone's going to take a page, and I'm sure you could probably get quite a bit for James Wiseman. Yeah, I'm sure you could. Number three, the Hornets take LaMelo Ball. And LaMelo Ball, some folks thought that he could be as high as number one in this draft. Obviously, part of that Ball family and his absurd father 
LeVar Ball uh, there kind of leading the charge. Um, and, you know, his numbers were terrific what he did overseas the last couple of years, not playing college basketball. Um, you know, they say that LaMelo Ball might be the most talented of all the Ball brothers, Tom. I think that much like with his his other brothers is the question becomes not necessarily the talent level is if it's there or not, but if he's got the at, right attitude, the right mindset, and if his dad is not going to get in the way. Um, I imagine that, you know, with Michael Jordan in charge there in Charlotte, they're, they're going to straighten out LaMelo and LaFar pretty quickly there in Charlotte. Yeah, and, and Jones, uh, I'm excited to see the Michael Jordan LaVar go down, and, and you wonder if – you know, Jordan was just like, yes, we're taking LaMelo, absolutely taking him. Um, obviously, because of his talent. I mean, the kid's good. Um, but also because of the dad coming to Charlotte. And you, you know the one-on-one between them is going to happen. Oh, you think. For charity or something like that, you know, just put him in his place, knock him off his his rocker. Uh, I think America would appreciate that if, if Michael Jordan could just shut up uh, LaVar Ball. I don't think there'd be any complaints there. The other story of the night was what Oklahoma City was doing on the trade front. They end up with Al Horford for now. They already got rid of Ricky Rubio after just trading for him earlier in the week. And they end up with the 17th pick and get, uh, after they package two picks to trade up to 17, uh, they get uh, Alejewski, uh, poor It's going to take me a bit to figure out this guy's name. Uh, he's from Serbia. He's a seven footer, um, one ninety five. He averaged less than ten points a game in Serbia. Uh, certainly a project player that the uh, Thunder picked up with that seventeen pick there. I hope they found something because they gave up a lot to to trade up to seventeen after acquiring all those picks. Uh, they, they must see something in this guy. I don't know what they see, um, but they see something, I imagine. Right. I mean, it sounds like a, honestly like a Spurs pick more than the Thunder pick, but, you know, uh, who knows? A big seven-footer, is is it time to move on potentially from Steven Adams and, and maybe see what this guy has right away? I've never heard of this guy, Jones. Um but to, to be fair, I don't follow college ball as much, obviously, as NBA. I mean, you know that. But um, still, uh, this sounds more San Antonio Spurs just than, than Sam Presti. Um, but, I mean, if he's good enough to take in the first round, you know. And if, and if not, I mean, you have, you know, all these picks to hit and miss on. You're not going to hit every single one. I'm not saying this guy's a miss already. I don't even know who the guy is. Right. We're still learning about him. We we don't know if it's a hit or not. Just simply, we don't know the guy. Um, just only have the numbers uh, from what he did in Serbia to tell off him. Um, also, we saw the uh, on on KU's end of things. Yudoka Azubuki goes number twenty seven to Utah. Let's start there. Um, Utah was the sixth seed in the West. Very solid record. They've been a good franchise the last several years. We know that they have good talent. Uh, with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and company there, um, you know they don't that that style of play that we've seen from Utah. It's not like what 
Golden State does of playing four guards and all that. I mean, they'll they'll rough you up a little bit inside. This, uh, I know it sounds cliche, Tom, but this could be a good fit for Doak to be there in uh, in Utah with that uh, contending team there. I'm happy for him. He gets picked in the first round, gets the guaranteed contract. And with all the injuries that Doak dealt with in college, this is certainly rewarding to still find his way back after getting a degree at KU to helping uh, lead that Kansas team, even though he didn't get to play for a national title last year, to go through all he went through and still end up a first-round pick. Great success story. End up on a contending team. I'm happy for Doak to end up there in Utah as a first-rounder. Yeah, and get to you know, depending on what they do with Rudy Gobert, um, you know, you you you're already on a, a somewhat contender or a team that's you know playing pretty good basketball. Um, so I think that's a great place for him to land and start out. Yeah, uh, certainly excited about him. Uh, in the uh, second round, there, kind of the names that come to mind: uh, Trey Jones out of Duke gets picked up by the Spurs. Uh, we also see Cassius Winston, who had a great career with Michigan State. He ends up in Oklahoma City as well. Uh, Cassius Stanley from Duke, he ends up with the Indiana Pacers. Um, Tom, we, we heard from folks say that this draft wasn't that deep and such. I looked down the line of some of these notable college players that we mentioned there, like Trey Jones and Cassius Winston and Cassius Stanley. I think this draft was deeper than people gave it credit for. Yeah, um, you know, and I think that's going to continue to prove um, people wrong. I mean, people were saying this is a trash draft and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. I think, um, you know, that there are several sleeper picks in this draft, so to speak. I I think this could – it's not going to be the best one or even close, I don't think. But um, I think it's going to be – turn out a, a lot better than people really do think. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Devon Dotson from KU, All-American guard, averaged 18 points, four rebounds, four assists per game, 6'2 sophomore, goes undrafted. Just blows my mind that a guy with that talent can't get picked up by one of these 30 teams in the NBA with a draft pick. That, to me, made no sense whatsoever uh, that he doesn't get picked up there. Uh, Devon, I think, is an NBA talent. He's got all the skills and uh, on draft night, Tom, even though he didn't get drafted, Devon Dotson, he was wearing a jacket. You'll like this, Tom. It said inside the jacket, uh, 2020 National Champs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's uh, not, you know, not too bold. I, I like the uh, I like the playfulness there. Right. Uh, any other takeaways from the draft for you, Tom? Uh, you know, the uh, – I don't know how to say his last name. The Denny guy from Israel that the Wizards got wanted the Spurs to get him so bad. Um, and I think he is going to be, just from what I've seen, watched, and, and know, uh, I think he's your your best get of the draft. I mean – there were people saying that he could go as, as, as high as fourth or fifth, end up dropping to nine um, to the Wizards. I mean, this is a guy who turned pro and started playing um, in one of the highest overseas league, 16, um, and was the Tel Aviv, uh, played for Tel Aviv, Israel, and over in that league was the MVP of the league last season. Um, 
a lot of comparisons to Luca, um, rightfully so. Uh, the Wizards, I think, got the steal. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, we've seen plenty of moves in the NBA offseason. Free agency hasn't started yet, but the trades are already happening. And Oklahoma City, obviously, has been very active on getting the draft picks. And, you know, starting with them first, Tom, you know, they, they end up with the 17th pick in the first round of this draft. They got plenty of draft capital for the next five-plus years. You know, they, they bring in, we mentioned with Rubio, bring him in and trade him. They're already looking at shopping Kelly Oubre and still shopping, you know, Steven Adams and such. They're going to continue to build that draft capital. Here's what I look at with the Thunder. I think you have to be excited just knowing how much flexibility this franchise has to work with. But in the back of my mind, too, Tom, just as a Thunder fan, I can't help but think, please don't turn this into the Boston Celtics, where the Celtics had all that draft capital and they're right back where they were just a couple of years ago where, you know, they're a top-four team in the East and they might contend for the Eastern Conference title, but they can't quite get it done. That's my concern with Oklahoma City is they're doing all this. I, I hope it's not for nothing. Yeah, I don't think it will be. I think Presti's too good. Um, but, you know, you never really can tell till the picks fall where they may. Um, but I, I think I think they can – you got enough. I mean, you, you got so many that I really do think that, that the Thunder are going to come out of this pretty much victorious and, you know, everyone's going to be like, why do we give them all those picks? Like, we should not have done that. Um, that and, and you mentioned all the people that are just flipping and flopping around. Danny Green's already gone. I was really looking forward to see Danny Green in an Oklahoma City Thunder jersey this year, and it looks like he's going to be with the Sixers. Yeah. So it's, I mean, they're wheeling and dealing uh, in Oklahoma City. And uh, just got word that Devon Dotson's headed to the Bulls to join his uh, hometown team. He grew up idolizing Derrick Rose, so. Pretty cool for him. Uh, the Bulls in a, a bit of a rebuild mode himself, themselves. So, a uh, very cool story for Devon to get to play there right in his hometown of Chicago. Very cool stuff there. Um, but uh, some of these other things that we're seeing, Tom, just real quick, with, with all these moves that are going on, whether it's Houston trying to find a new home for James Harden and Russell Westbrook, or you mentioned with your Spurs and some of these other teams and such here, um, we're kind of seeing a changing of the guard of sorts right now. When you look at, you know, hey, Houston is Houston, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio are tearing things down, and New Orleans, Dallas, Phoenix, some of these other teams are building things up here. Um, I, I'm, I think we're looking at the twenty twenty through twenty one season being a big shift of sorts in the Western Conference this year. Are you thinking the same thing? Yeah, it's a lot of new identities and a lot of older identities, uh, you know, coming and going. Uh, I mean, we're it's a it's a really a changing of the guard year. I think that you're you know going to start to see some of these transitions into the you know the teams of the next five years. Yeah, um, do, do, where do you see Harden and Westbrook ending up? Do you think those guys are going to be in Houston before the season begins? No, I think it's uh, and that's a whole other thing we could go for a long time on how much bullshit I think that is that Harden pulled that shit off uh, and is, is pretty much forcing Houston's hand, 
Easton's been, and I, you, I hate the Houston Rockets, and I love to see their downfall um, because of how much shit they gave Spurs fans when Kawhi dipped out. Uh, Harden's being more of a diva than Kawhi was, and I didn't think that was really possible. Russell Westbrook, I don't even really blame him. He's just kind of had to kind of figure it out and was just like, you know what? I mean, I can't imagine. I wouldn't want to be in Houston either. Um, but I, I'm sure Westbrook probably wishes he never would have left Oklahoma City. But um, at the same time, I've, I've heard Westbrook to Washington and, you know, deal kind of wheel and deal Harden to the Nets. Reunite um, with Scott Brooks. That'd be interesting. Right, Westbrook to the Wizards, and then John Wall back to the Rockets. And I'm like, I mean, there's still a lot. I mean, you know, the trade moratorium ended on Monday, and we're just, you know, three, four days into this thing. And now that the draft's over um, and free agency pretty much begins, I I think you're going to see a lot of wheeling and dealing before the no- end of November's over. Yeah. Willing and Dylan like street milling on penicillin. Um, Something like that. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we heading to this time? Jones, we are going uh, to the Vatican. I don't think we've ever been to the Vatican before, have we? No, we have not been there figuratively or literally. Right, right. Um, well, this one's coming from the Vatican. And has to obviously has to do with the Pope, um, and it doesn't have to do with maybe what some people think of, but uh, does have to do with Instagram. And uh, this comes from Outkick.com. Pope Francis Instagram account likes Instagram model Nadagata's content. Never seen Nadagata, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not. I didn't even know who this woman was until I saw this article. Uh, she's very good looking. Um, she is, uh, I don't think she's a porn star, but she probably could be. Um, but article reads, it was just a matter of time before the world had its first Pope Francis Instagram account likes Instagram model schoolgirl outfit post moment. Instagram model Nadagata27 is the lucky recipient of that first like. And it shall forever reside in His Holiness is history. The Bang Energy model seems to understand the importance of this moment. My mom may hate my ass pics, but the Pope be double tapping. No, she did not say that. Oh my God, my mom may have. My mom may hate my ass pics, but the Pope be double tapping. The Brazilian told Barstool Sports. What a lie! At least I'm going to heaven. At least I'm going to heaven. She added on the Pope the attention of the Pope's IG account. The like has since been removed. The Pope's verified Instagram account has yet to comment on which person from his media team is responsible for the like or if anyone will be fired for this transgression. Nadagata has moved on with her life. She got her hands on a new PlayStation and went to work on her Twitch channel playing video games. For lonely guys out there thinking they may have a shot with the Pope's Instagram model, uh, Jones, she's hot. She is for sure hot and she knows it. Um, if we were still doing Hottie of the Week, maybe we'd make her Hottie of the Week this week. Unfortunately, that died back in like 2016, um, probably for good reason. But um, that being said, I hope it was the Pope that was behind it. Oh, I do. Um, you know, he takes a vow of abstinence. You know, he the Pope doesn't get to smash. I don't get to. <laughs> 
I don't think. He doesn't Maybe get to sacrilegious of me. He I've does, been a lot more sacrilegious before, though. He doesn't get to take the uh, the uh, coronavirus vaccine of Viagra. Right. I mean, he did. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he doesn't get to partake in um, in the good tomfoolery. Um, but he is the point of tomfoolery this week. Jones, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, at the man, I mean, what do they say about sin? Uh, all being the same. Uh, even if it's the Pope lusting, you know what? He'd still be double tapping the images. I hope it was him. Maybe it's not him. Um, it just shows we're all human. Right. Um, maybe Brian, I bet Brian Nolan was in charge of his account. Um, <laughs> but I never I like it. I never believe it either when somebody says they're hacked. That's just a lame excuse. Um, right, yeah, it's trash. I mean, just own up to it. Right, exactly. Nobody gets hacked um, like that, you know. So I would like to think the Pope actually did this, that the Pope was behind this, that he was, you know, enjoying the uh, the look of this girl on Instagram, and that's fine. I mean, I, I like a lot of women on Instagram, you know, I like a lot of photos. Um, some people read into it. Some people... You know, take it for what it is, and you're just showing some appreciation of some sorts there. This is fine that the Pope liked an image. He, he didn't commit any sin. There wasn't anything wrong with him liking an image here. Um, if anything, Tom, I, I would say that I have more respect for the Pope for getting on Instagram and liking somebody's image here. More power to him. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would be honored if the Pope even liked uh, my photos on which are definitely not as risque as this lady's, but I would be honored and I would be blessed. And I bet she's, I mean, she gets so many, I'm, I'm sure she didn't even notice that he liked it. I'm sure someone pointed it out. Um, but can you imagine if the Pope left, left us a five-star rating on this show? Because he, if he wasn't going to, you know, put a five rating, then he couldn't leave one at all. Um, That's the next thing if, we need. I mean, if that happened, I would... Yeah, right. Do we get the Pope? Yeah, get the Pope on this show. Um, that would be a new level. Right. Um, we'll have the Pope on. Get the Pope to even follow us. Right. We'll get the Pope on before before uh, Christmas. He'll be our, our Christmas guest. I don't want to be too sacrilegious, but if we just had the Pope on, made him a, an everyday, you know, an every week guest and brought him the week and made the Pope do it. That would never happen. No, that's very I wishful like, thing. I like the dream, though. Weren't you the Pope a couple times for Halloween? You might now, if you be the Pope again, Tom, have to, like, have your phone on you and start liking, you know, a lot of, like, hottie photos or something on Instagram the next time you do this. Right, you know, and some people gave me a lot of bad looks. And, you know, it got more play um, than, you know, it got more good than bad. Um, like I said, it got, it got such rave reviews the first time I had to break it out two years later. Um, do you still have it? Because it was so, it was so good. The first time I walked around and people asked me to bless their drinks. Um, and I was like, I am being so sacrilegious right now, but you know, if I was, if there was Pope Francis, I'm 
seems cool enough that I can go ahead and just get away with. Uh, I didn't have rosary beads on. I had a big money chain. Um, I'm not ashamed whatsoever. Uh, it got it got too much play, and and you know even I think being the Pope is a lot better than being. You know, there there were people the year that Steve Irwin died that were Steve Irwin, and that's too soon. And and to be the Pope is never too soon. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't age being the Pope. Um, do you still have that costume, by the way? Uh, I do. I don't know where the hat's at, though. I don't know where the hat. I do have the robe. Okay. Nice. The, the Pope. Uh, the Pope on Instagram. I didn't even know the Pope had an Instagram account, to be honest. I did not either. Uh, I mean, it only seems right, though. I, I, why have an Instagram if you're, you know, if you're the Pope? Sure, like, okay, you could put out some stuff and your media team can put out stuff. But if you're not going to have access to that where you can just scroll like anybody else, why even have it? So I'm on the Pope's Instagram, and here's some notable people I know that happen to follow the Pope. Um, Tom Brady follows the Pope. Um, Olivia Munn. Steve Weish, our friend from the NFL Network. Um, let's see, Brett Baer from Fox News. Um, just some of the few people that uh, follow the Pope. He's got 7.3 million followers and he doesn't follow anyone back. Uh, no one gets followed by the Pope. Uh, so I assume that he must have went to that search screen and went up to the uh, the trending section, and uh, that just must have appealed to him or something, I guess. I mean, maybe he, you know, was thinking about when COVID's over. Maybe he was thinking about, you know, tour in Brazil, <laughs> you know, and trying to meet some friends there. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, we we better stop before we say too much on the Pope. Uh, I, I don't want to you know, go to hell anytime soon, Tom. So <laughs> on that note, we will run. <laughs> Big thanks to Chris Lowy for joining us. Also for our Pigskin Pick'em segment with uh, Brian O'Connor and TJ Reeves for stopping by as well. Fade Coach Bo. We, we make that the hashtag. That's the hashtag of the week. Um as always, subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live uh, and uh, Tyler Jones Media Group. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore Report, Instant Thomas. You can find us there. And we'll see you right back here on Monday. Different schedule next week. I believe we're going to have a show on Wednesday. Try to get out a little bit early for the Thanksgiving holiday and a preview of those Thanksgiving games. So we will see you on Monday, then a special edition on Wednesday as well. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you on Monday.